Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you today for another episode of 24, and we are into our big one, episode 12 of season 5, the halfway point, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., written by Duppy Demetrius and Matt Michnovets, and directed by John Kassar. This first aired on March the 6th, 2006. As always, I've got my uh, key dates uh, that are happening clearly uh, <laughs> right in front of me. We'll get to that. Uh, production code of 5AFF12. I really want somebody to like write into us and go like, yeah, that's the correct production code. That's my favorite production code. I love it. Um, quick fun fact about this day. Uh, in 1968, three rebels are executed in Rhodesia, the first execution since UDI, prompting international condemnation. Um, the Michelangelo computer virus begins to affect computers in 1992. Um, and in the United Kingdom in 1984, a walkout on Cortonward Colliery in Brampton, Burlow, signals the start of a strike that lasted almost a year and involved the majority of the country's miners. Well, I hope they dug themselves out of that one. Um... <laughs> That wasn't bad, actually. Uh, but we're here to talk about an epic episode because this really is good and it's not here to joke about it. Um, my name is Bert and whatever you have to say, you can say in front of Barry. And my name is Colin and there's something wrong with people like you. I was going to go with that, but I assumed you wanted that one. I, like, I swear I wrote like a decent one, which I thought, ha, ah, Colin would laugh at that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're going to discover who Bert is today. Um <laughs> But, I, I mean, jokes aside, this is, wow. Um, we talked this up last week. I've talked this up so much. I mean, season five, we keep saying how epic of a season it was. I was ashamed at Colin Hilding that episode one, he put it like 50 or something. I don't know what he put it at. <laughs> uh, and I talk up how iconic that episode is. But if there's one episode that is maybe more iconic than episode one of this season, it is this episode. It is arguably the greatest ending in, you know, maybe any mid-season episode of 24 maybe the greatest continued seven-odd-minute period in this show's history. Everyone is acting on fire here. There's there's plot twists, there's emotions, there's Bert, Kim's <laughs> back, which we're always happy about as well. Um, did I mention that there's Bert in here? <laughs> there's not really anyone called Bert, but we'll discover that. C. Thomas Howell is here. He showed up. That's good. Tony's sitting around doing shit. Uh, I mean, yeah, this episode is incredible. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know when we get to next week because um, 
this is one of the ones that I remember so much. I mean, you got so many images in this episode that I always talk about, like, if you haven't watched the show in a while, you just have these images that are ingrained in your head. And there's so many uh, moments in this that just ingrained in my mind, not just like the ending, but everything else. Because mm. uh, we get so many characters like like meeting up again. I mean, to me, this is like a, it's a calm before the storm episode, but like, you don't know when the storm is coming. I mean, I think the audience kind of gets a hint, something big is coming, but it's just, it's so expertly done. Like this is like the Chappelle episode where you come in wondering, is it just the last five, 10 minutes that's so good? Or is the entire episode, and then you watch it, and you're like, no, the entire episode is so good. And yet they're doing it with almost no storyline going on. It's just characters meeting and talking and, and really letting the actors act. And when we get to next week, I'm going to be curious uh, if it tops this, uh, if it is on the level, or if it's uh, maybe a bit of a letdown. Because looking at IMDb, next week actually is tied for like the highest um, rating of the season. And definitely next week is like the action heavy one. But I mean, I love the drama and the build up to this so much that I think that this might be the one that wins out for me as well as you, it sounds like. I, I mean, look, again, as I sort of alluded to, it's kind of like that Breaking Bad double part sort of towards the end with Ozymandias and, and Toehadalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajizalajiz
I, I'm pretty sure it was advertised that she was back this week. So, I like, I know she's kept off the credits for surprise, but I'm pretty sure the promos had her in it. So, I remember, like, oh, God, Kim's back, and then just being blown away by everything else that happened. Uh, like, I don't remember my reaction to Kim being back. I mean, I do remember the scene of her. I remember Barry. <laughs> I remember all that stuff. Fucking Barry. Uh, but... I think it's one of these things that, you know, had that been the focal point of this episode and maybe had you not had somebody else dying at the end of this, then you would remember this is the one that Kim came back. And it's almost like a, a great fake out from the crew too. We're like, we're going to give you this. I, I'm going to talk a lot about why that death at the end is so impactful. And it's through little things they do in this episode to fake the audience out. And yeah. in a way, I, I, be I honestly believe that somebody was there behind the scenes saying, listen, because they they had that deleted scene last week where Kim's coming back. Somebody was probably saying, listen, if we just wait till next week, we don't worry about seeing the phone call or getting her on the phone with Audrey or any of that, and we save it for this week, that's going to program the audience into thinking this is our big surprise of the week. Mm. And then when something else comes later, it's going to completely catch them off guard. And we all know that, of course, the iconic death in this episode, of course, is Carrie. Like, we're so sad that Carrie is no longer with us. Oh, this. No, no, not no, Carrie. But I uh, know you're right. And, like, it's maybe one of the smartest deleted scenes in the history of TV and movies because you lose any impact of this. But I think... That's an added layer of also going back to your point about it's kind of like the Chappelle episode that you remember it for one moment, but I will fight almost as strongly for the ending of this episode for the Kim and Jack scene to be in the top five at the end of the season because it's just so like impactful. And for somebody who's watched this show from day one, it just means so much more. And this goes back into my defense of season one, why I think season one is so important for this show. And that if you lived through that, if you were born watching this show from the get-go you get why that scene is so significant and important and kim's only in two episodes this season this is where you've got to remember that i always feel kim's always in this for longer but she's in it this week and next week and it's like bye bye kim thanks for coming mm -hmm. um but it's just and like i don't know like alicia cuthbert's just grown as an actor here as well not that she was yeah. ever a bad actor she was always a good actor with the material she was given but you believe her as kind of this more mature kim you know not just he's a cougar and he's some, you know, babysitter, you know, you swim, Kim, uh, you know, we're now we've just got pedo freaking uh, psychologist. I can be started on Barry, but we'll get to him. Uh, I mean, first, you'd already mentioned about the Jack and Kim scene last week. So when I was watching it, I kind of had my mind open to is this scene that good that it needs to be? And I, I don't know if I was quite there, but when you're mentioning some of the stuff there just uh, uh, within the last minute or two, it, it got me thinking about how this scene bookends their relationship. Yeah. And really, if you think about it, we're getting season one and maybe a little bit of season two Kim here for the first time since those early years, but we're getting her as an adult. And I think that might be the thing that will sell me on it in the end. Uh, I'll completely agree with you on her acting. In fact, I even made a note about how much better a scene like this plays with her than it would have a year or two or three years earlier. Uh, but yeah, it is that we are approaching this exact same way. Dad, like the, the angry, angsty teen. Uh, but now they kind of are justified and it's not just moodiness. Uh, and there's maybe another voice on the side that's impacting that. Yeah, the, the adult version of those first two, that might be a good call, Ben. Uh, well, to, <laughs> probably completely unintentional on your part, but you may have started to sell me on no, it. No, but to add it to it as well, and I know we're jumping ahead here, and maybe let's just make it quick when we get to that scene to talk about it, but I think 
the beauty of the scene as well and this moment with Kim and Jack is from this point on, when she comes back in season seven and season eight, it's not the same. It's kind of just almost like, oh, here's regular Jenny who was in it a couple of seasons ago and she's just, you know, whatever. Like she's got a reason for being back in season seven, but then they just... They literally turn it into season two, Kim, by the end of that season. And it's just... It becomes very unpleasant. It's embarrassing that they even go down that route. And she's in like two episodes in season eight to literally just retcon what happens at the end of the season seven. So you lose all that impact. Literally, if these this week and next week are the last time we ever see Kim in this show, I am completely fine with it. She gets mm. a perfect ending. And I think this is why this scene in this episode is so impactful because it's not like when the show ends technically twice that we ever kind of like by then they've moved on to Jack and Chloe. That's kind of the relationship mm-hmm. they need to end. And again, I'm fine with that. The show's developed, but this is my 24. This is where I began with it. You know what I mean? So like, this is where I, I know I tried to defend the, the Nina Jack scene in season two, the, that is what you took scene. And I know you weren't sold on that, but, I really hope I can see you on this because this I, <laughs> I love this scene even more than that scene. And I I mean I don't even I might have ranked that scene higher than this, but in hindsight, this scene's so much better. Anyway, you're on the clock. You're making some ground. I, I am. I, I like to be smart every now and then. This is going to be one of those rare occasions I think where we go chronologically in this episode. I don't think we do mm. things separately in this episode because it's really all the same plot. Um, and yeah. I think you've got to talk about it. In you know the the only thing that you would maybe is different is the presidential stuff, which. It's obscure. I, that enough. still has to be chronological, just because of how the scenes are placed. I still say do that chronologically. Yeah, like it, you know, on, on occasions we will do. Isn't it interesting? Yesterday we recorded our American Graffiti one. Download now available a few days days ago, and you sort of did that in the twenty four style, where we kind of separate in stories. And this time around, we're doing this in the movie style, where we go chronologically. So, old mate, terrorist, Russian guy who's actually Russian. Um, He's obviously killed off Lynn's sister and the other guy, the Drago, and uh, he's apparently found a suit. Apparently, old Drago and sister here just had a suit laying around that fit him perfectly. Um, convenient. Um, <laughs> called ahead. Hey, Drago guy. Uh, so I want about that card. Cool. Do you have a suit like forty-two long? Um, just uh, you know. What- what if it was also in Lynn's pocket with his card and slipped out? Oh, and there's a suit here too. We yeah. can use this. Just score. I'll give you an extra 500 bucks if you throw in a suit. Um, <laughs> which again, like I always, a show like 24 doesn't really age well or work when you binge it. Like I know this was kind of one of those shows where it was a very, you know, one of the very first binge shows that DVD came out. It made this show better, but it's still a network television show, right? It's still airing weekly. So, of course, this is a real-time show where at the end of last week, what was the cliffhanger? It was, yes, Julian Sands, rest in peace, by the way, formerly been identified since uh, last week. So, uh, rest in peace, Julian. Uh, hi, Julian. Uh, sorry, you're dead. Um, I am going to get the card. Can you rephrase that as Bierko? <laughs> now it just feels wrong. Well, Bier- sorry, you're dead, Julian. Okay, Bierko, you're dead. <laughs> Bierko's going to die too, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> hi, Bierko. Um, going to go get that card. We're going to break into CTU. Beep, 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 beep. This is like 90 seconds later. Two minutes. Ring, 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 ring. Hi, Bierko. So I'm going to get the card and uh, I'm going to go break into CTU now. <laughs> you just called me. Um, I know. <laughs> like two minutes has passed and he's calling him again. Again, I get it. Network TV, weeks passed. You've got to, you know, bring the audience back in to understand what's happening. 
But again, in a real-time show, when you're watching these back-to-back, two minutes has passed. All right. Maybe there's a deleted scene with with Bierko going, "Okay, I will speak to you again at the 6:04 p.m. Yeah. check-in." <laughs> but I, I do love like just the technology that exists because this is barely what we're seeing right now with AI technology, isn't it? Like he's kind of he's got his little jeep where he's a couple of little red dots appear and zoom, like it turns him into terrorist man. And I'll be like, "Oh, look at me go in my little suit." I've always got a little smirk on his face. He's like, mm, "I'm smiling." <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know why. That's the impression. Mm, I'm smiling. Um, so he's ready to do some terrorist shit. Probably calls up uh, Bierko in another two minutes. So I'm just going to say, we know. All right. It's <laughs> very thorough. He's a very thorough terrorist. Uh, so now we're going to have um, basically a call between CTU and Logan, uh, hey, hey, you know, Mr. President, by the way, that whole hospital thing, all good. Uh, we're, we're all gravy there. Cool. Thanks, Bill. So have you done anything else? Like, uh, where, what's the other update? Uh, we're, you know, monitoring uh, lots of places with lots of people, you know, because that's where we think things will happen. So nothing's happening. Oh, just, uh, just, just we're on it. Okay, we're on it. <laughs> Jack has found a guy. And he thinks Jack he's Bauer bad. has found a guy. <laughs> so then the pre- like, I literally love how the U.S. government in this world is relying on one man from one organization to find terrorist shit. <laughs> the FBI having the day off, apparently. The CIA, well, they're off buggering off. Homeland Security, well, Karen will show up in a couple of weeks. Don't worry about that. They'll 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 chip in. But like like I, again, I know this show's about Jack Bauer. But if you really analyze it, the entire U.S. government. Is basically just waiting for the hopes of one man. So good for them. But anyway, so that's their update. Um, and then all of a sudden, this is where um, we get the update that Kim's arrived. And back to what you said, like the effectiveness of this is a lot of there's Kim. Like we, we get to see her for the first time. She's looking good. She's with Barry. Cause why not Barry? Bill's like, I love Bill's kind of like, what the hell's Kim Bauer doing here? Uh, and then I love Kim's just having a chat with like, Johnny, the security guy. Hey, Johnny, how you going? Kids going all right? Yeah, so this is Barry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> went from Chase to Barry, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you certainly changed your type. Well, I might have had a crack if I'd have known you're into those type of men. I would have had more of a you go know, at you. <laughs> Karen's not here yet. I mean, Bill's available. <laughs> exactly. Gee, Bill, I'm sorry, Barry, but Bill's a better looking guy than you are. Uh, <laughs> So uh, Audrey calls Jack and kind of nice little scene between them on the phone, basically like, hey, so you know how you asked me to call Kim five hours ago? Well, I finally did and she's here. (laughs) Jeez, thanks, Audrey. Uh, Thanks for taking your time on that. Not that it was important or anything. She's all like, hey, so like, you know, maybe I should tell her that you're alive before you just show up. And Jack's like, yeah, good idea. Henderson's all like, oh, you know, we checked in on her, which I, I... Gotta say, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like Henderson and old whatever her name was, like checking in on her because we only discovered this guy existed three weeks ago, and this is all just purely done to make us believe that like he's good, and it doesn't go anywhere. It's just it's purely to just make it so like oh maybe he's good because he's got this close. This is just it's it's early signs of next season. Let's bring in like family connections to Jack to personalize him a bit more. And you uh, don't, I, I don't, I don't, cause like, it's, I, not, it's not like Kim's like, Hey, daddy-o. So I'm glad that old Christopher Anderson kept checking in on me. 
Uh, I, I don't know how many times he says he checked in on her. Did, did he say? He says, like, we checked in on her regularly or, like, we kept an eye on her knowing you were dead. Like, it's just, I don't know. It just feels just like a added, like, oh, this guy really is close and it's, to Jack it's personal. You know what I mean? Like, uh. I mean, I mean, I, I, I know that, uh, like, there's certain people I knew them growing up, but, like, friends of my mom's that, you know, maybe I had them as a Facebook friend but never interact with them, but... Ever since my mom has died, these friends of hers are like the first people to always like my posts and stuff like that. So, I mean, I think it's plausible if he actually really cared about Jack, which, but I, I think that would be where it might be a bit of a stretch. Why would, I, I could see, hey, just wanted to make sure you're okay now that you've had your dad's funeral. But I don't think we really have ever gotten the impression though that this is a guy who actually really cared about either Jack or Kim. Yeah, no, I get that. Good point. But I don't know. I just read into it more of like a, I rocked up to her house every week for coffee. Like, I mean, because he's literally saying... <laughs> we took her to the zoo. Because <laughs> See the cougars. She loved them for some reason. Um, it's more of a, you know, he knows about Chase. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, that's where I kind of get a bit more of, like, it's a bit more, you know. And props to this episode. A couple of mentions of Chase. So, uh, you know, I'm on board with that. Are uh, they the last... Uh, or didn't you say there was something like in season six? I yeah, can't no, I think there's something. Well, I think it might have been in like a, a novelization or like a spin off around like the, in between seven and eight. I'm, I think there's, I know on like Wiki, there is more to his story that you hear from. Like he does appear in like a novelization or something, but <laughs> I, I thought there maybe is something more. But yeah. then again, around Kim, we don't get season seven by then. I'm visualizing years ago, he lost the only thing he ever loved. Now Chase Edmonds is back. To find his hands. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, Colin, let's be honest, it wouldn't be the most random thing in 24 when fucking Milo comes back next season. Because <laughs> remember the guy who didn't come in at 4am to format files? Well, now he's a main cast member on 24. Yeah. Like, I have no disrespect to the character of Milo, but like, it's just the most random returning character I think I've ever seen in any television show ever. Like, Seriously? Eric Belfort just showed up one day and just dropped his pants and said, you guys know you want me back. It, it's, it's, well, who wouldn't? But it's like, it's like when they did Jurassic World Dominion. Dominion. And it's like, we Dominion. bring... <laughs> Dominion. It would have been better. We bring back the one character from the original trilogy you've been begging for. Dodson. Uh, <laughs> like, I know he's like the main villain in the books. I get that from that perspective. But from a movie perspective, the actor's now a pedophile, but we've recast him. Dodson is back. Dodson, Dodson, we got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Literally the reason why they brought him back. Thank you, Colin. Trevorrow, that's what I mean. Um, meanwhile, let's meet the guy who you're meant to think is a villain for about the next eight episodes. It's the uh, Hal, the vice president. It's Hal, isn't it? Is that his name? Is it Hal? Hal Gardner, yeah. Hal Gardner, right. There he is. Hello, Hal. How are you doing? Um, and he's straight in. Hey, buddy, old pal, you know, that whole Salt Lake trip. I'm here instead. Let's do martial law, which there was a, like a, a legal comedy drama in the early 2000s in Australia called martial law. Wasn't too bad. Um, Oh, I remember that. Yeah. You remember that? You remember? Yeah. And, yeah. It's kind of like Australia's Ali McBeal. I want to say, um, it was Australian. We actually got it here. Yeah. No, it was Australian. Um, 
Last about two seasons, I think. Oh, no, no, no. We're thinking about a different show. I'm looking at Martial Law with Arsenio Hall and uh, Hong Kong movie star Sammo Hung. I'm guessing that's a different one. <laughs> Definitely, though. Unless it, unless you said yours... lawyer show, and I'm like, how much lawyer stuff was there? I remember it being a martial arts show. Unless you unless you uh, were thinking of Australia's queen, Lisa McCune, uh, then probably a different show. <laughs> Often confused with Sammo Hung or Arsenio Hall. <laughs> Look very like. Very, very similar. Very similar. But... um. I, the thing I like about this conversation, about this martial law, is that as an audience member, you're kind of on board with both Mike and Hal. Like, it's yeah. kind of like the vice president's got a very solid point. And then Mike's got a very solid point. So you're kind of like, I don't know, like I've kind of got foot in both camps here going like, yeah, I see both points here. And I love sort of Logan here kind of working off both of them. It, it works really, really well. Um, and I like Hal. I, I, we, we don't get him mm-hmm. next season. Um, but we, this is, we get him and spoiler alert, you're meant to believe this guy's evil. So, um, and spoiler alert, he's not. So, uh, I'll is, is he the VP equivalent to what we said Keeler was like, he's the forgotten VP in the 24 universe. No, I would say there's an Australian actor who plays a vice president, uh, who I would argue is more forgotten about because he becomes, I think it's season seven. He's like vice president for like two episodes. And I think he's technically president when, <laughs> Yeah. You're no longer allowed to be VP because we found out you're Australian. Yeah. Well, two Australian with Alan Dale and him. He's he's one of the daddos. I think it's... uh, Oh, Cameron Daddo. It's Cameron Daddo. Yeah, because there's three daddos. So, um, yeah. yeah. See, I remembered him being on 24. I didn't remember being vice president. So, there you go. You got a point. He's like the caretaker. Oh, is that season six? No, maybe it's next season because it's with Wayne's Wayne's president next season. So, when Taylor's president, vice president is um, Noah, what's his face? Noah Daniels is the vice president, played by Powers Booth. Rest in peace, Powers Booth. It is Booth. season seven. It is season seven. That oh no, I'm thinking Powers Booth is next season. Ah, other Powers way Booth is next season. Cameron Dado is season seven. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, because Powers Booth. Yeah, it's definitely Powers Booth next season. <laughs> definitely Powers Booth, because Powers Booth is VP to Wayne, and then Powers Booth leaves, and then Redemption. You get Taylor, and we get Colm Farrell coming into it as yeah, yeah. I, I too many presidents. Bring in Taylor. Do I Powers Booth? Are you excited for oh, Powers Booth? That's one of the things I'm most excited about next season. And what's his face next season? Uh, Peter McNichol is next season. Yeah, yeah, those are those are probably the two characters that I genuinely loved in season six. Yeah, and, then and that they, might be it. That might be literally it. And then they <laughs> shit all over them. They start off so well, and then, oh, it's just season six. Anyway. Oh, with Peter McNichol though, I actually love the direction they take him in. What a man, Peter McNichol. Oh, yeah, God, Mr. Bean movie. When are we doing the Mr. Bean movie? Oh, we, well, we could do the Mr. Bean TV series, and that takes care of half the movie. Have you, have you seen the second Mr. Bean movie, The Holiday, one which I always forget oh, yeah. exists? Which is, I, mean, I not, love that one. I like it, too. It's, it's not as good as the first. Willem Dafoe's in it. What's not to like about Willem freaking Dafoe in it? Yes, I thought you, had, you yes, looked like you were yes. about to say something. <laughs> you're like getting up there going, and I, was, I no, agree. That's, that's me. I, got, I got the worms again. <laughs> Who would win in a fight, Willem Dafoe or Powers Booth? Oh, Powers Booth. Yeah. His, name's, his name would win in the fight. He was. Um, Who am I fighting today? Who am I fighting? Powers Booth. I stepped down. I always loved it. Again, we're jumping ahead to season six, but I love the fact that he played the vice president. I first found out who Powers Booth was from the movie Sudden Death, where he held the uh, vice president hostage in that movie. If you remember, in you know John Claude Van Damme, oh, I don't remember that. movie. No, remember Sudden Death? No, I remember Sudden Death. I don't remember Powers Booth in that movie. Yeah, he's a terrorist. He's the main villain in that movie. So oh. yeah. Ah, ah. And then the president, oh, the vice dude. president, is played by the same actor who plays the president of the IOC equivalent in Cool Runnings. So, 
Uh, you got very fond memories of Sudden Death. Uh, I, I which, fucking which, which love that movie. One of these days, it's still on our list to do with Matt Dyson. Yeah. <laughs> get around to JCVD month. And that same actor is also uh, Jack's granddad in Locke. Uh, Locke, Lost. Van Damme is Locke. Jack's granddaughter, <laughs> grandfather. <laughs> the actor who's a... Anyway, you'd know the actor. You'd see his face and you know who I'm talking about. Um, the Six Degrees of the Oz Network coming next week in a special Patreon <laughs> episode. But... Um, how's there good for him there's a conversation between jack and henderson about like i'm gonna torture you and it's like you you know gonna break me and i'll break you you little bitch <laughs> he doesn't really say that but that's a good line <laughs> and then evil terrorist man rocks up to ctu i just i love this scene i don't know why it's just so funny it's kind of like the security guard hello sir just need your key card <laughs> welcome to ctu and Mr. Like, McGill, didn't we? <laughs> didn't we literally have what's his face Spencer earlier this season bring in the other terrorists and that to like go through yeah. forty bags and do this and they're sharing little nods. Hey, you catch the game last night. <laughs> like this time around, is just like come on in. Like again, this is drama. We're gonna get one of the best scenes in history of twenty four because of this moment. But for fuck's sake, I'm so glad I'm not American in two thousand and six because this is how the government is run to protect our country. I'm sorry to say, it's no wonder 9-11 happened. Like, for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Like, come on in, John. Fix the things. Like, all he did was press two buttons in his car and a Jeep in 2006. <laughs> I mean, I don't even think hackers on their iPhone 15, whatever they're up to right now, could do this today. But mm-hmm. um, no disrespect. Uh, rest in peace to everyone who died in 9-11. I'm going to cut it right there. <laughs> Good. Before you say something stupid. Uh- <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> and break. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know how much I have to add on the VP stuff yet. Cause I think that's just sort of like kicking off, but uh, I do want to say this guy, Ray wise, who plays Gardner, mm. uh, it was it, just like two weeks ago. I keep giving our Peter Weller movie a updates here, which by the way, Buckaroo Bonsai, Jamie love Buckaroo Bonsai, uh, especially Jeff Goldblum as the cowboy who doesn't want Jeff Goldblum as cowboy. I would but, let uh, him ride me any day of the week, but in RoboCop starring, Peter Weller, uh, Ray Wise is in that movie. So we got Paul McCrane, Ray Wise, and Peter Weller all in RoboCop. We might as well just do a RoboCop recap what? at this point. Wasn't he in something? I swear he's been in something recently maybe that I watched or that we watched. Like Ray Wise just is one of those names that's very, yeah. Uh, no, I think we're, we're thinking about who's that guy who died recently, not Julian Sands, the other guy who died. The Punisher. Um, oh, I think you better talk about. Yeah, Alan whenever I whenever I hear their name, Ray Stevenson. Yeah, because I always oh. am like the Ray. I confuse the Rays, Ray Wise and Ray Stevenson. Yeah, uh, Ray but, Romano. But Ray Wise. <laughs> all they're all the same. They all look alike. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I I recently saw this guy. Uh, the, the only time I've ever seen Ray Wise on something where I'm like. It's Gardner. <laughs> yeah, that excitement is a. There's a TV show called Fresh Off the Boat, which I think made like when oh, we did our that. top TV shows of the decade. And he played like the 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 rich neighbor who started out just as like we're gonna do a one shot. He was like somebody's husband, like one of the other main supporting characters' husdens. And then he was so good on the show, they just kept bringing him. He basically, ended up being one of the main characters by the end of it. But very he was wise. great in that. Great, he's very wise. Yes, he also voiced Commissioner Gordon in Batman: The Killing Joke, which is. Oh. Uh, first r-rated um uh, animated uh superhero film so, so you haven't uh, seen it yet i haven't no i'm not allowed <laughs> <laughs> when you get 18 you'll be able to see yeah. it <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, I, I I do like the way they bring him in a bit because this is where your memory sort of messes with you because I don't really view Gardner as a villain. And then when they bring him in, like, man, they're trying really hard to make you not like this guy. But Tony, you're right. You, you He's Tony. Yeah, like he is like Tony yeah. in season one. Yeah. Uh, but you do see both sides of this. You know, I think the side I was seeing was he was talking about making martial law and everything. Well, we can't do that. I'm like, didn't we declare martial law last season in wherever Marietta, Georgia, or whatever it was? <laughs> um, and I think a lot less happened. You've had several times. You don't even have to say, this is where Gardner should be speaking up saying, we don't have to wait for something to happen. Three things have happened already. <laughs> a mall attack, a hospital attack, and you know, Palmer. The, the Palmer, yeah. You've got a long list of things that you could declare martial the law. The president be the of Russia was nearly assassinated. Four, yeah, we're at four things, and we're 12 hours in. At this point, he's like, okay, in the next three hours, statistically speaking, we are going to have another again, attack. Again, martial like, law. Uh, to, sorry to interrupt, but again, let's think about this right now. Tomorrow, former president George W. Bush is assassinated. Eight hours later, Vladimir Putin coming to Washington to yeah. sign a peace treaty because, hey, I'm actually a good guy, nearly gets blown up. On the same day, that mm-hmm. is going to be a bit of a cause because in the same city? Like, come on. While the Ontario airport is under attack, while Cedar sinai has a gas release, while whatever pick-a-mall in Los Angeles has several people die at it. Yep. Uh, if, if you're not declaring martial law at this point, the public is asking for Nine, you to... 9-11 happens. I keep bringing up 9-11, but I mean, a couple <laughs> of planes ran into a building. Nobody could go anywhere in America for like a month. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. But you know what? This is Los Angeles, not Marietta, Georgia. You know, there's not as much concerns with Lo- Los Angeles. Los Angelinos never riot, do they? Yeah, you've seen Volcano. Uh, they're very... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all their faces. They're all the same. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> quote. But yeah, like worst quote in movies. <laughs> it is. I I think ever since, and I love that. I saw the movie like five times in theaters, and every single from the very first time till the last time I watched it like a year ago, I'm like the single worst line. That is worse than do you know what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning? What is what is worse out of those two beloved movies that we will cover eventually one day because we love them to death? Look at their faces. They're all the same. <laughs> Or kids driving through an ash cloud on the volcano <laughs> in Dante's Peak. I think I think look at all their faces, they're all the same because I laugh at that with disdain with the kids driving through the ash cloud. That I just laugh now. I'm just like, yes, the kids are driving the car. What what's what here's another one. What's worse? Uh, train conductor guy melting in the volk in the lava guy like ah <laughs> or grandma getting a legs burnt in acid. <laughs> Grandma, because we want old people to die. <laughs> that woman's the worst. She deserves to get burnt in acid. She's a bitch. Oh, I want to watch both of those movies so bad right now. <laughs> row, row, row your boat gently down the street. <laughs> oh, I love those movies. Can we just do like bonus Dante's Peak vs. Fog? Anyway, sorry. I... Oh, and we just get Don Cheadle being hyperactive and then uh, the coffee, coffee, coffee guy. Oh, it's a piece coffee. Cappuccino. Java <laughs> the battle between the two hyper guys that take control. Oh, oh. and Hayes, rip and Hayes. Yeah, versus Linda Hamilton. Which one would win? Oh, Linda Hamilton, please. I just, <laughs> I just saw Anne Hayes in Nip Tuck. She's, she's not tough. Oh, she in Nip Tuck? Yeah, she's in like three of the worst episodes of Nip Tuck. She's, I mean, she's good. She does what she can. I like Anne Hayes, but 
Six um, days, seven nights. Oh. She could take her in six days, seven nights, couldn't she? Yeah. She flew a plane in six days, seven nights. But it's Linda Hamilton, Colin. <laughs> she could. You bait, know what's so funny? She could beat Tom Cruise. This is the rundown of every single '90s movie that most people were like, "Did that movie exist?" And here we are, knowing it by heart, we're basically doing a script read this, on this air. This happened at work today. Somebody brought up Ace Ventura, and I spent the next ten minutes quoting Ace Ventura with the guy who sits oh. next to me. <laughs> I, I think I told you about it. I don't think I've shared it with you yet, but Jamie's subscribed. Somebody who basically just does facial replacements to put Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, yeah, into yeah. famous movies. And she sent me the, the Ace Ventura one oh. where he shows up at the door, like where he runs down uh, what um, uh, Finkel's uh, entire uh, roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Played for the whatever Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> and he does a... <laughs> Seeing Schwarzenegger do it is just amazing. <laughs> We're doing that next year. Uh, so well, the first one at least. We are, yes. Yeah. Uh, anyways, well, let's get back to 24 here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, uh, Gardner, to me, has a solid point. The way he approaches it, though, this is where you're like, oh, this guy's, like, sketchy because he doesn't come in and say, you know that thing I talked to you about a couple times the last hour? He's basically held off, waited for more attacks to happen, and then said, let us take a look at the PowerPoint that I spent the last six hours preparing here instead of actually just calling you up. But I mean, the biggest question here is, after all these things have happened, why is the vice president allowed to stay there? Shouldn't he have been yeah. like, as soon as the uh, Ontario airport happens, they should be like, you're both not allowed to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. We're getting you out of here, Gardner. Where's the speaker <laughs> I mean, of the this... house? Probably next door having a smoke. Yeah. Uh, there's Kiefer Sutherland is uh, the minister of agriculture. He's uh, I've got it. This is Kiefer's like, I want you all to be in the same building here. Nobody leave because I'm going to be president in about 20 years. When you're done, remind me to, I, I don't know if you saw Kiefer's post during the week on Instagram, but I'll, I'll get to that. Oh no. Although, you know what I was watching uh, because it's just the thing we do on long weekends. Now watching Tom Cruise movies, oh. uh, watching a few good men with Tom Cruise and Kiefer Sutherland, obviously. Well, they are um, a few and good men. <laughs> and Kevin Bacon's in that movie. Well, that's a and lot. Kevin Bacon, How yeah. How have I not but, seen uh, that movie? You've never seen A Few Good Men? I Well, I've seen A Few Good Men in my life, Colin, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I've never seen that movie. And also, I realize I've never seen Schindler's List. I was watching some retrospective. I need to see some movies in my life, apparently. I, well, I shouldn't host this show. Okay, because you've also got, uh, forget Tom Cruise, the, the ones everybody knows, Tom Cruise, Jack Nicholson, Demi Moore, Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland, right? Those are our main stars. You also get Noah Wiley, oh, Cuba Gooding Jr., and uh, this one I completely forgot about until we watched it last night, Xander Berkeley. <laughs> Xander Berkeley is Tom Cruise's boss in A Few Good Men. Who are we talking to where they said they were on the set of A Few Good Men and they watched that scene? I, I don't remember that. I swear we interviewed, was that I watched an interview or something. There was somebody they, were, they talked about, witness, maybe it was an interview I was watching and they were talking about that they were on the set of A Few Good Men and they were watching that being filmed. Um, oh, the the, the, the uh, You Can't Handle the Truth scene, I'm guessing, yeah, right? Yeah, and like, I, I don't think they were like meant to be on set, but they were there watching it. I need to do that. <laughs> they, yeah. they accidentally walked in the wrong no, door. No, <laughs> maybe it was maybe it was like some prominent actor. Maybe it was on like um, something and they were like talking about, you know, I was just on, I was next door on the set and I just happened to watch that. So I was there. But I swear it was somebody we it was, interviewed. It was Tom Cruise, that, that interview you saw him last night on yeah. <laughs> Australian TV. Yeah, no, I wasn't supposed... It's like that... Do you know Tom Cruise didn't know he was in that legal movie until three years later? I just happened to be on the set one day and Jack Nicholson started talking about the truth and I just... I got really passionate and into it. It was um, the, the uh, Nip Tuck. They do like an episode, like sort of... They do like a reality show on the Doctors parroting reality TV 
And it's, I think it's Leslie Grossman's character to get there and says like, oh, I love reality TV so much. You know, you can do this, you can do that. It's also like that show that they make us believe that Paul Abdul's just tired every day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, had you finished? Were there more stuff you want to talk about? The no, whole no, I'll, yeah, oh, uh, I guess cover a little bit more. So yeah, that, that's it for the Logan stuff. Um, him coming in, you know, obviously there was the deleted scene last week and she did call her. She even says, oh yeah, I called her. But if you watch Kim Raver's face, it's like, what? Like, she's like, Kim's here. You guys see Kim? And then all of a sudden, there's like this recognition where she's like, oh, that's right. I was the one who called her. It's been a long Sorry, it was day, so long ago. I, so long ago. I completely forgot. She's been about sitting it. around in the background, not doing much since she's had a busy day. Guys, Kim Bowers in the building. She's got the same name who, as the woman who plays me. Who invited her? Oh, it was me. She's from 24. Um, but like this is CTU security. This is how uh Russian guy ends up getting past it because she called Kim, doesn't even know who Barry is at this point, and they've not only let them in, but they let them in and they're walking across the floor as they're staring at top secret blueprints of hospitals that they've just and none of this stuff has been released to the public yet. And why are they being like, we'll get to the Bill and Tony scene? I mean, why is Bill being a dick to Tony when all of a sudden Kim's like, Hey, <laughs> Kim, here's the president's itinerary? <laughs> <laughs> But I love the the scene where, uh, I mean, of all the scenes in this episode, I've got a list of like four or five scenes in this episode where it's just characters talking where I'm like, that's an amazing scene. This is the one I feel like would get forgotten. But uh, even the Kim and Audrey scene is great here too. Uh, but I do love Audrey. It's like, listen, I got to tell you something. It's about your father. Don't you just want like Kim to be like, you mean Barry? <laughs> <laughs> you know, daddy. I call him daddy. <laughs> Colin making uh, sex jokes. I'm proud of you. Jamie texted me that in the middle of the episode. That's what she's doing now. <laughs> See this, it'll you. be funny. <laughs> good, to, good to know uh, you did name in the house. All right. Jamie did text me in this episode when I was talking about Jeff Goldblum, and she said, my only complaint about the movie, Jeff Goldblum needed less clothes. Just the cowboy hat would have been enough. Did I, I tell you I watched last year when I was in New York, I watched um, Earth Girls Ain't Easy or whatever it's called, where, like... Oh, no. That is the creepiest thing I've ever seen Jeff Goldblum in. Like, he is a, <laughs> he is a creep in that movie. I mean, he's good looking, I mean, but... I, I never knew who he was, or obviously, you know, Jim Carrey. I, I, I may have had a living color on at that point, but not realized that we're going to talk next year about how I got introduced to Jim Carrey before oh, in, in living color. Is that a Canadian I did, thing? Yes. <laughs> hey. to Canada. He's Jim Carrey. How you doing? All right. So I want you to go to your, your I'm Canadian checklist, go under the C's <laughs> for Carrey. This is Jim. Oh, there we go. All He's right. Drew. Check that box. Uh, <laughs> Canadian Drew Carrey. Yes. Oh, I thought Drew Carrey was Canadian for some reason. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. Colin Mockery. Is, oh, he's from uh, um, Cleveland, right? That's why the whole Cleveland. Yeah, rock. Cleveland rocks, right? Okay. Yep. But uh, no, Jim Carrey, I knew who he was before even like seeing in Living Color or whatever. But I remember seeing Earth Girls Are Easy. And uh, and then it was like a couple, maybe a couple of years after that when both Jurassic Park and um, Ace Ventura came out. And then I'm like, wait, that's the guy from <laughs> Earth Girls Are Easy or that's the guy from In Living Color. I mean, I couldn't have taken Jeff Goldblum seriously I, I can imagine I couldn't have taken him very seriously seeing Jurassic Park the first time. And I'm like, is that the Earth Girls Are Easy guy? It's not a very good movie. It's, it's a weird movie, Earth Girls Are Easy. It is bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gina anyways, Davis, yeah, though. so... I like Gina Davis. Uh, she was in that? I she's, the, that. she's the main girl in that. Oh, okay. That's how, well, her, I, that's how I think her and Jeff Goblin met and they got married for a while. Probably saw Thelma and Louise. I'm like, I can't take this seriously because it's a girl from Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> um... 
It, yeah, I mean, uh, I, can't, I can't even remember at this point how far you actually went. Uh, we're not talking about the, the Kim scene yet, are no, we? No, it's basically everything until the first, like, ad break, essentially. So, like, um, I mean, I think you've covered... Yeah, you've I think really it's basically covered that, everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Logan phone call to Bill. There's nothing really there to talk about. The oh no, I, well, I did. I didn't yeah, Jack I do have, scene. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't mind that because uh, again, it's just like Peter Weller. This subtle manipulation thing he does is so much fun to watch. Where it's like maybe he didn't check on Kim all the time. Maybe this is just his way of like because because we're gonna see at the end of this episode like he knows Jack's playbook. Yeah. He's like, come on, Jack, I taught you this. So I like that. Maybe this this could be something that he's just using against Jack, but. With the Logan call to Bill, like, did I forget something or miss something in the last couple of weeks? But shouldn't Logan be saying Jack Bowers on it? The guy who you're still supposed to arrest because I told you to arrest him? When did uh, Logan suddenly become okay with Jack being in the field? Yeah, that's just, I feel we got a scene around that. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe when like Lynn got detained, there was a deleted scene or something where they obviously had to inform the president. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, well, I remember I them informing that like Bill is back in command, but but either way, like even that's if it wasn't point. a previous scene, where is Logan's scene of saying I said I want him out? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I yeah, I feel maybe there was something there that I'm forgetting about. Um, the actually one thing that I'll say just on before I get to that key thing, I wanted to quickly mention that again, sort of rough around the edges around the Henderson stuff, which maybe I'm just not on board with this whole like connection to Jack as much as I, I should be, like. It's just, I feel it's just shoved down your throat very quickly. Like, did you say Chris Henderson? He's the guy who trained me. Like, the guy who trains Jack Bauer should be like a season-long arc. Like, I mean, this is a, this is a cool, like, it's kind of like Saunders. Like, that's why we talked about this the other week. You brought it up. That's why Saunders works so well. Somebody from Jack's past where you feel this build-up and tension till we finally get, like, this connection between the two of them and we get, like, that scene. Whereas this, it's sort of like two weeks ago, Henderson, the guy who trained me? Like, I mean, if you did a movie with James Bond... The guy who trained James Bond, and he's just a five-minute scene. I guess that's probably Spectre and uh, Blofeld. But, but um, you know. <laughs> but we did say last week that uh, the, one of the trivia points was that Henderson was only supposed to be in three episodes. So yeah. it was in between last week and this week where they all found out, we're going to get you and we're going to keep you around. But the, the, there's, the only change in the script is probably that there might have been a line and they wrote Henderson out at the end of the torture scene at the end. So... They, they, I think for the most part, they had to basically stick with this is how we're writing Henderson out. And then they're like, ah, change this one thing so we can come up with something for next Yeah, week. no, no, I get that. That makes sense. But I think what I'm trying to say is that they're still in those three episodes have written that. They're still saying this is the guy who trained him. Like, this, yeah. it's, it's like next season when we get his brother and dad. Like, it, it needs to be more of a thing and not just an afterthought. You know and, what I mean? Well, and... And then imagine if they had gone with, as they said, the original plan where Henderson was going to be the brother it's, and he only had him for three episodes. But it's, 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 it's like, this is, again, to defend season one. Why season one works and does so well? Because you've got these elements of family in that that work and they build the character mm. of Jack. We're going to see that with Chloe and a certain person that just all of a sudden, hey, by the way, Chloe, she was married. Um, yeah, is it, that's and that's like literally in one of the last couple episodes too, yeah. isn't it? It's like the last three three episodes or and something. The, and then like we like him, like don't get me wrong, the character, mm-hmm. like we like him, but like it's just so random. And it's like, huh? Okay, we're going with that, are we? <laughs> All right, sure, whatever you do. Um, quickly, Kiefer. So uh, follow me on Instagram, everyone at Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, <laughs> it pops up on your news feed, and there's old Kiefer sitting there. He's like, oh, he's got a video. He's like talking to me. What's he saying? He's like, 
Hey everyone, because it keeps like I kind of piss that kid's like he's a very calm man, Keith Sutherland. Like for all his life and Jack Bauer and all the characters he plays, yeah, he's very chill. Like when I saw him live, very chill, like just a chill dude. And like literally, he's just sort of like, hey, he had some assistance, yeah, maybe a couple of you know pills in the system. But he's he's all like, hey everyone, Keeper here, how you doing? Just uh, letting you know uh, that I did a TV show, you rabbit hole. It's it's really good, and I'm just really asking if you can please watch it. It's on yeah. Paramount Plus, and I'm really proud of this show, guys. So, like, please subscribe now so you can watch it. Like, I'm really asking you. Like, he's literally begging people to watch his show. <laughs> so I'm guessing it hasn't done very well on the streaming service. They're probably not getting the clicks they're wanting because, like, they've literally probably flicked his manager a text. Like, guys, this show's tanking. Can you get Kiefer to, like, do a message? And they're probably going like, no, I will pay him an extra $5 million. Okay. Hi, guys. Please watch Rabbit Hole. Like, watch it. It, uh, just, it feels well, very weird. I, I can imagine just with the amount of money they sunk into promoting that, because I don't think I've yeah. seen it outside, outside of, like, anything in the Yellowstone universe. I don't think I've seen anything Paramount Plus has put as much promotion behind as Rabbit Hole. So maybe it is where they got in a little bit deep. I, I also just think it's plausible that, like, Kiefer Sutherland is scrolling through his emails <laughs> Oh, I've got a new email here asking me to promote Rabbit Hole. Meanwhile, the email's dated February the 9th. And he's like, hey, guys, my new show, Rabbit Hole, it's coming out soon. And I'm really proud of you watch it. And check Kiefer's MySpace page for his latest video. Hey, guys, season five <laughs> of 24 is out. I'm very proud of it. You got... He's catching up on old emails. <laughs> and you go... Guys, I'm in this new movie where I get to act opposite Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> We're really proud of it. We think it's going to have a lot of buzz. Go check it out. A few good men in theaters now. <laughs> I play a vampire. It's called The Lost Boys. It's really good. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Um, so I will, I'll go through a bunch of stuff here because we're obviously going a bit long here with this episode, but I think we were always were going to with this. We knew we were going to. Um, so old mate uh, Terrace has gotten in. He's through. Uh, he's, you know, going down the halls and checking the plumbing and shit like that. Um, Chloe, meanwhile, um, is all like, hey, Jack, welcome back. And Kim's all like, hey, Jack, welcome back. And then this is the Kim scene. So... What the way this is shot though is also fantastic, right? Because we sort of get this Jack on the floor looks up into the glass room, which you know Bill and Kim's a very important person. She's getting bloody Bill and Lynn's office, um, <laughs> so you know she's all like, ah, finally got the promotion I deserved. That I mean that would have been a cool twist last season when Michelle walks walks in from Division. It's Kim. Like, there she is. <laughs> Kim's running the show. She's riding in a cougar. What am I doing on this cougar? How did I get on this cougar? <laughs> um, but just like the way it's shot and Jack sort of looks up and then just the, the look they share with each other sort of through the glass. Um, I, I, I will say I also like that scene with Kim and Audrey when Kim's like, she's got almost a very like a soap opera line when she's like, <sighs> so many memories. Both my parents died here, you know. <laughs> like turns to the camera. It's been a long few years, but luckily I met Barry. <laughs> Daddy. Oh, oh, Barry. What do we think about Barry? Can I just say I don't like Barry? It's coarse and rough and irritating and he gets everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I I kind of like what he brings. I don't think you're supposed to like Barry. Uh, and there are characters that you're not supposed to like where you're like, oh, but you know what? They're fun to watch like like Logan last season. But I think Barry's legitimately one of these characters where they've worked hard to make you not like him. So I appreciate that. But like, 
Kim's, I mean, I don't mean disrespectful, but Kim's in a, well, it's not disrespectful, she's an attractive girl. She's been with Rick. She's been with Chase. <laughs> now she's with Barry. Like, I mean. She definitely was with Adam. And, oh, and what's his face? Kung Fu guy, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Him. Miguel. Miguel. Like, I mean, like, these are good looking dudes. Like, you know. Barry, like, I mean, I guess that's like the plot twist. Like, what's like, I, I, I'm sure that was written. Like, Jack is shocked that Kim is with an older, normal looking man called Barry. Um, but I don't know. But I'm taking away from this scene. The, I mean, Jack walks in just there. Look, this is what we, this is what I needed from an, you know, seeing Jack still alive. This is what I feel we lost with so much of this season. Yeah, we had the Audrey scene with Jack, but like, everybody's just like, you know, like when Curtis gets in the car, hey, Jack, old buddy, old yeah. pal, so you're alive, eh? Uh, Wait, not dead? Yeah, yes. got it. <laughs> that means that you're alive. Uh, <laughs> see, the Cubs finally won the World Series. <laughs> but, like, it's just just this reaction. And then even, like, as much as I disliked Barry, I do kind of love Barry chiming in here to Jack. Like, oh, it's always about you, isn't it? Thinking about that. And just, like, the subtle thing that Kiefer does, Kiefer just sort of got this look, and then he kind of goes, like, who are you? What are you doing here? Like, I'm sorry, Barry. Who the fuck are you? But, like, he does it in such, like, a calm way. And then, like, it gets to the point where Jack's just, like, you know Jack wants to, like, throttle this guy. But then Jack's just basically, like, Kim, deal with this. Uh, (laughs) So Kim's just, like, fuck off, Barry. Uh, but then there's just this amazing scene about just like Kim, just like talking about, you know, how she buried him and then buried, buried him, buried him, daddy. (laughs) There's some fan fiction out there. Don't worry. I'm sure we can find it. Um, but just the, the reaction and then kind of Kim's just like, like, I can't give you what I need. That sounds even more inappropriate now than what we just said. Um, And just the way Jack basically says that, you know, like walking away from you was the hardest thing I ever did, even harder than like when I lost, we lost your mum, And it was just, oh my God, like it's just so emotional and heartbreaking. Alicia Cuthbert owns this scene and she's up against Keith Sutherland here. Like, I mean, God damn it, Alicia, you've done well with this. And then just, she's basically like, look, I can't do this. I've got a conference with Barry somewhere. And then Jack's just basically like, look, like, please just like, give me like just one conversation. That's all I need. I do have to question one thing about this scene, though. Audrey knows how important this is. Like, this is Jack, having not seen Kim in 18 months, his daughter. Why does Kim rock in and go like, hey, Jack, Burke really needs to see you right about now? Like, can't, like, Jack be like, Audrey? Like, not now. (laughs) I gave you five hours to call my daughter. You can't give me five minutes with her? I know. Like, like, what's Burke got to say that's so important that we're just taking away from this scene? But um, did you I'm, know? Do you know if Kim's single? Yeah, I saw an older guy come in. Was that her, her guardian? Is that a boyfriend? <laughs> the vice president. Um, but I mean, God, it's good. It's so good. I, I know we've really already talked this scene up, so I don't really know. I'm just, just anything else to add that we haven't talked about this scene. I'm obviously marking this as top oh. five. There's so many this season. It's going to be hard for me probably to get this in the top five. But I mean, I will fight for this scene because I fucking love this scene. It's, uh, I, I think it is actually made by Alicia Cuthbert's performance. Yeah. I don't think this scene is nearly as good. I mean, and Kiefer Sutherland has many times in the past made a scene just with him on his own, but she's doing the majority of the heavy lifting here. Uh, he just sort of has like that. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Kiefer, but he's basically just like hanging his head in shame and agreeing with her. And it's like, he kind of does have a point. And even with Barry, like Barry, 
like again, I know we're not supposed to like him, but if you imagine, uh, you know, somebody where where your parents came back to life and you found out, no, sorry, I just faked my death. Barry's probably heard Kim voice all the opinions he's voicing here, even though like maybe there's a little bit of a puppet master thing going on with him. But uh, I'm like, I kinda, I'm kind of with Barry too here in this scene. Like, and and I think Jack is with them too. Like as much as Jack is like, Barry, get out of here. Not your business, buddy. <laughs> I have a towel and I can do things that you wouldn't believe with it. But, uh, but like even Jack kind of agrees. Cause when Kim has that line, he says, I, I just don't think I can deal with you right now or whatever. Uh, even Jack's just sort of like, I understand. But <laughs> that's one of the things that works so well with the scene is that for the first time in, this is that adult version of that relationship for the first time in this show's history, Kim is right in being upset and yeah. Jack knows. It. And yet at the same time, Jack hasn't really done anything wrong. It's just, he understands this is the situation and this is the way it was always going to be. Um, but I love the line he threw in there about, you know, uh, losing you was harder than even losing your mother mm. because that's not something I think the audience is necessarily thinking about. They're thinking about those big dramatic moments and not something that happened off screen where he's like, Oh, I hope Kurt, uh, Curtis Henderson and his wife have checked up on Kim because I'm really concerned about her. But that's, I mean, I think that's a great point you make because I think, you know, we get the reaction to Jack losing Terry. It's it's a closing moment of like him cradling her in his arms and I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And then next minute he's, how do I live? Hugging a photo with a beard. Whereas we kind of get a reaction to him seeing Kim dying when he thinks she's dead at the end of that, the, the final episode when he goes in the shooting spree and kills the Drazens. So mm-hmm. um, I think that that's a, that's a great point. And I think compare this scene to the opening scene of season two when he sees Kim, you know, and like kind of like he's all bearded and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Like, but this has got all that level of context. And that was a- specifically what I was thinking about when you were saying earlier about like the, the evolution of their relationship and ever, everything is not even necessarily the season one stuff where she's like, oh, I want to go out with my friends and Janet. But, but it's that season two where it's, it's the exact same. Oh, <laughs> I'm Kim Bauer. It's almost closer to my George Lucas than it was my own Schwarzenegger. I'm getting some variety here. But uh, but yeah, th- that's like the exact same scene. We're basically seeing the season two premiere scene yeah. played much better several years later. And I, I think it's, um, I, I think it's just the, the way it kind of develops into that. You're right. And I think that. There's a couple other lines that I really like as well. Like your opening line when you said, you know, you know there's something wrong with people like you. I think that's mm-hmm. a good line. And then the when Barry leaves, I love that line where Kim says, like, like don't you judge him. He was there when nobody wasn't. Like, and she alludes here to Chase as well. She says that yeah. there's something wrong with people like you. Chase was similar. He couldn't handle it and he left, which I question. Like Kim's obviously been fucked up. I think that she's just yeah. had a shitty life. Barry's a psychologist, psychiatrist, whatever. And I like, she's going to be, have a viewpoint of things. Right. So like her perspective of why Chase left and I'm not siding here with Chase, but like knowing Chase, how we do, I don't think Chase was going to just like walk up and leave. Like he gave up his career for Kim. So like, obviously there was other shit that went down that why Chase left. It's funny you mentioned that because when she dropped that line, the first thought I had was like, what are Chase's side of this? Is like, I can't imagine that Kim would have been the easiest person to no, deal with exactly. or whatever. We, we see where she's going to go <laughs> the next time she comes on the show too. Yeah. But uh, weird thing to reference here, but anybody seen it would know like the, the Karate Kid movies and, and the Cobra Kai TV series. Elizabeth Shue is the female lead in the Karate Kid. She doesn't come back for Karate Kid 2. They have to write her out. They write her out with a line very similar to this. Oh yeah, she dumped me for some football player. And... 
for years, Elizabeth Shue was bothered by that. She's like, they could have at least just written me out saying I had to go off to college or something. So she agrees to come back on the Cobra Kai show years later where she's like, what if that was his perspective and then I get my perspective? And then they had that scene and I'm like, wow, this is 30-something years, you saw it one way. So I would actually love to, even just if it is in the novel, maybe the novel mm. tells us this, what is Chase's side of the story to be able to see it's going to be completely different from his point of view. And I think that's the part you can read into all of this is that like if Kim's dating her psychiatrist, like, you know, I mean, this yeah. woman was like, we joked about in season one about like, oh, you think I've had a bad day, bring it on, and like cougars <laughs> and all this other stuff. Like, she's probably just caught up with her. She's sitting yeah. around a home with... One arm chase and little baby, whatever her name was. Remember that baby? And she's just gone like, I was kidnapped. My mother was <laughs> raped. A cougar tried to attack me. I stood up to Melanie and said, Bring it on. <laughs> I dated Miguel. <laughs> I went swimming. <laughs> and like, yeah, anyway, but um, so good. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've we've gone over it, I think. Um a lot of this I will kind of lump together so we can get to the last bit because I think the beauty of this is there's so much stuff here that we haven't covered, but like it's sort of maybe not as much as we're going to talk about the last particular seven minutes. So after this epic scene, <laughs> I love like so old terrorist guys in there getting into the freaking air con and they're not, what's the name? Um, Sherry, whatever. Why have we gotten a name? Sherry, right? Carrie. Carrie. Sherry. Yeah. Sherry number two. Carrie. <laughs> She's all like, hmm. Oh, Edgar. The air conditioning seems to be doing it. Oh, well, that's a bit of a dealing problem. You should go look at that, Kerry. You don't have to snap at me, Edgar. Shut the fuck up, Kerry, and go look at the air conditioner. Duh. Um, which I feel bad making fun of Edgar now because, like, it's 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 the multi-layered of this. If you watch this, know what's going on. Like, Edgar kind of signs his own death warrant in a weird way. Yeah. Like by him. And he does it by turning into Chloe, which is what makes it even funnier. Yeah. Like Especially when you get to his final line in the series. It's it's actually really cleverly written, if you think about it. And Carrie's a scapegoat. You know, who gives a shit about her? I mean, she seems like a decent character. I feel bad for her. It's no different to What's-Her-Face last season with the um the CD-ROMs down in accounts. Mm. Um, but anyway, I love this Tony scene. Like, you talk about the development of Alicia Cuthbert turning good. Again, we've talked about Carlos Bernard. He's a bit one note. But one thing I love about this scene is... Like, dick Tony, but right to be a dick Tony. Because, yeah. like, Tony's been, like, calling up, like, Bill, Bill, I need to talk to you. And Bill sort of walks in, oh, fucking Tony, what do you want? It's like, well, I need to talk to you. What do you need to talk to me about, Tony? Um, my wife was killed and you're not <laughs> telling me what happened? Ah, oh, can't tell you, Tony, it's classified. Uh, I worked here for, like, six years. <laughs> I was the director. I went to jail for this country, which I was later, you know, absolved of my sins. You let Kim into the office. And what did she do? Format files at 4 a.m. <sighs> Fine. All right. You know that guy, Chris Henderson, you work for? He's involved. He killed Palmer. Also killed this person, this person, and we don't know what's going on. Okay, see ya. Hope you don't get shot in the neck anymore. So, <laughs> that, that can't be true. He checked up on Kim. <laughs> it's not possible. Like, again, I, I, I'm i kind of Team Tony here. Like, Bill's been a bit of a dick, but, like, he's got every right to be a dick. But uh, it's going to be a bit more relevant to next week, old Tony. Um, so we got Henderson here being tortured. I, I, why do we always have these Jesus torture, like, arms out? Like It's 
you know, this is like him turning into RoboCop. Uh, but this is actually, what I noticed is this is Darth Vader's pose. Yeah. It's like, how is Padme? Is she all right? <laughs> you, I couldn't have. I felt her. <laughs> no. Which also, no. I, do, I do love the line from um, Jack quickly to Audrey. Like, they're watching Henderson get tortured. So who is he? And, and uh, <laughs> he's like, oh, he's registered as a psychiatrist. He was her psychiatrist. Yeah. Mm. All right, torture him. Torture Henderson. What does he say? Like, I, I, he will go through an unbelievable amount of pain. I want to point out, I want to introduce here to Burke, not Bert, um, <laughs> as I have written down multiple times in my notes, because I swear like 50 times in this episode, Jack calls him Bert, but it's Burke. Um, now, which Colin and I off air were sort of talking about this because I thought this was the same guy from season four who just came in and tortured every man and his dog, but it's not. This is Burke because he becomes a bit of a regular, you know, it's in like about five or six episodes. But did we, I, we were trying to find out the guy's name in season four. Did we come to a... Yeah, a- no, I keep looking, but now I just had a flash of which episode it might have been, which was the first one where Richard Heller was brought in. Was that episode three? Two or three? Because they were kidnapped. Uh, yeah, two or three. Because they were kidnapped. The episode episode. Because yeah, there was a specific guy that they use, and it wasn't Burke. Because we checked Burke. This Burke is a season five, six character. Yeah. Um, but there is somebody. Uh, I'm There's gonna have to find it. Here. You know his name. We talked about him. We talked about him because if I'm... we don't find it by the end of this episode, that's an assignment for our listener. Yeah. <laughs> Pay <laughs> for it. <laughs> we'll tell it. Um. So Henderson's getting tortured. We've got this uh, scene between Mike and Martha. Who basically? I love Martha. He's like, if this is between about me and Aaron. I I wasn't doing anything. It's like I know you weren't. But anyway, your husband. He loves you. Uh, he got down on his knees and prayed for you. Really? He did? Yes. He loves you. Don't go after Aaron. Go after your much more attractive. Oh, that's so sweet. What? Getting down on his knees or? No, that that like that's her response all of a sudden. Oh, oh, you. <laughs> um. I can't stay mad at you. I jumped ahead with Kerry. This is where she uh, gets abused by poor old Edgar. We see older. Abused. Sit down and work on the air conditioners, you stupid woman. Um, abusive man, Edgar. He deserves to die in this episode. Um, meanwhile, we see that there's a canister being put into the vents. <gasps> Plot twist, which I, I wish Honest Trailer existed for 24 and everything wrong with because, again, it's that age-old movie TV trope of why does this guy set the time of 15 minutes, set it for five, and just fuck off? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what logic is 15 minutes? Like, okay. I mean, it bothered me more in this episode that when, like, if you're, depending on where you're watching it, you, you, you might have that counter of how much time is remaining on it. Mm. And when it hit the 15-minute mark, I checked, and there was exactly 14 minutes left in the episode. I'm like, oh, now it's bothering me. Yeah, well, I guess ad break, right? So there was an ad break. Real time. Real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you got to go to the toilet and get some pizza or something like that. Yeah. Um, great scene between Martha and Charles here where they kind of kiss and make up and sort of, you know, oh, I was doing what I could. I thought I was going to lose you. I was, you know, in a bad situation. And Martha's all like, you were being the president. Like, let's go have some hanky-panky daddy time. Um, meanwhile, Kerry gets killed. What a shame. Um, rip Kerry. Are we going to eulogize her? She was in three episodes. Nah. She had like four lines. Good for her. Um, but actually, <laughs> one thing I will say, I love this scene, the way they do it, is it's almost like a horror movie, the way she's kind of like, she's in the room and she sees the um, the canister and she's sort of standing 
in this like area where you see like a dark corner and she's in the flip phone mm. and then you see him emerge from the darkness. Like it's really well shot. Like I really like yeah. that. Um, so he set the time of 15 minutes. Chloe and Kim had this really awkward catch up. I like, it's actually, I really like this scene because it's kind of like, I don't know, these two probably haven't seen each other for a while, but like, because it's you were sort of alluding to when you don't see people for a certain while checking in on them and that sort of stuff. But like, if you bumped into a, I don't know, a work colleague you worked with 18 months ago, if they were just somebody that you maybe didn't have a massive relationship with, you're going to be like, hey, Genevieve, how you yeah. doing, old chap? He's going to be like, hey, Genevieve, how you doing? Yeah, cool. I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now the kids. Yeah. Little shit still trying to stab me. Cool. All right. Yep. <laughs> doing that podcast still. Yeah. No one listens to it. Great. Awesome. Um, so like <laughs> sort of this Chloe, uh, Kim scene where basically she's all like, so how you doing? Yep. Cool. Baby. No. All right. Yep. So, but dad was alive. You didn't tell me you bitch. It's like, fuck you, Kim. He didn't do this and do that. This is other kids like, Hmm. My dad's definitely a good father. So, um, Nice little scene. That's, I, I don't know. If you don't I, like I, that, it? That's the one scene I'm going to have a complaint about. Oh, I like it. Um, the one scene that I, or another scene I have a bit of a, a oddity about. So this is where things are about to get kicked into gear because Bill's sort of like, hey, Lynn, still in a, still in a holding cell, eh? So, um, by the way, sister dead. Um, does she know any drug lords or hitmen or mafia members? <laughs> That's, that's almost verbatim the line. <laughs> what do you mean? They were executed gangster style. <gasps> they stole my key card. Um, these two people, no disrespect to drug addicts, are drug addicts. How did no, the <laughs> police discover them within 45 minutes to identify them and to then call up CTU? Like, there's more formal identification. Like who's like Lenny, the the next door neighbor. Hey, can I have a cup of sugar? <gasps> They're dead. Uh, <laughs> so again, show's got a show, plot's got a plot. I understand they've got to move it forward. But I also do love the fact that like Lynn kind of goes from zero to one hundred. <gasps> They're clearly after my key card. So mm-hmm. you know, let's let's do this. And I love when Bill rings up Chloe. Hey Chloe, how you doing? Uh, so can you check if Lynn McGill just checked into the building? It's like um Bill. He's in the room with you. Shut up, Chloe, and check. <gasps> Fine. You're never going to believe this. He just checked in five minutes ago. <clears throat> lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Um, I'll cap it there because uh, obviously we're about to uh, the most iconic maybe seven minutes in this show's history. So uh, cover what you like because we've still got a bit to talk about. Uh, I mean, I don't have much to add on the Henderson torture other than just saying like Henderson still is finding a way to almost talk his way out of this, uh, which is great. Uh, I do wonder how he would have been written out of the show at this point now. Cause mm. um, I mean, do they just say, you know what? Just kill him. You know, because <laughs> how else do you, they, to me. They, they bring him in here, they torture, maybe they decide not to torture him and he gives them some information, but because of what happens with the, the Centox attack here, they're not able to act on it. Who knows? Uh, but uh, there are so many scenes, even outside of the Kim one that are, that are equally, not equally to the same level, they're not given the same amount of time but it's just one scene after the other is built like the the tony bill scene i'm like like wow this may be the best acted scene of carlos bernard's entire time on 24 uh let alone bill as well and then you have the martha and mike scene which that one caught me completely off guard because you don't expect martha and mike to really even talk much yeah and then for that scene to be like as strong as it is uh we're kind of joking about oh that was sweet of him you know uh, but like it's it's actually a really great scene, especially because of the performance on both sides. 
And then the Martha and Charles scene gets even better from there. I mean, every single time they're just putting half of this episode is just characters catching up and characters being like, yeah, you know, uh, this was really hard. It's like, it's a sad episode, but yet there's this ominous tone going on through all of you. This is John Cassar, like at his best. Yeah. He's found a way to have this ominous tone to the episode, even though the scenes we're watching should be sappy soap opery. And yet there's like, it, it's like the opera scene in uh revenge of the Sith, you know, where it's like, Oh, what they're talking about is completely normal. Like there's something just so unsettling about it. Mm-hmm. This is, it's fantastic. Like playing on two separate emotions here. Uh, you know, Carrie being dispensed with by Edgar. I mean, to me, I'm looking at this thinking like Edgar has turned into Chloe. Uh, but it's also one of the other fake outs in this episode because you already know that the Russian terrorist guy has got the Centox in the building. You know, as soon as Carrie says, there's something going on down there. That, But the fact that this is a character that it's not a red shirt, this isn't somebody we just got introduced to. It's quite clever that they had her in that one episode, somebody we didn't know, we didn't care about. We don't feel the need to eulogize. Then you fire her. Then you bring her back. You're actually very, in a small way, building her up to the audience to be like, she's sort of important. Mm. And then as soon as she's sent to the basement, you're like, oh, she's going to die. And we're so used to in 24, unless it's episode one, which is just shock after shock, you're used to, again, at this point, we're going to give you a big surprise and it's probably going to be Carrie dying. So now the audience is almost overanalyzing, thinking, oh, she's going to die and that will literally be it for the episode. (laughs) Uh, so it's 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 clever that the way that they sort of wrote her character in, you know, the last couple weeks, even when she wasn't on screen to kind of build her up a little bit. Uh, yeah, that 15 minute countdown too. it's like, is it defaulted to 15 minutes? Like you literally just have to get you can throw on a gas mask right now and run for the exit. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no need for it. Uh, I, I like the the tension that builds up just from like the the Lynn and Bill scene, which, again, another fantastic scene. Uh, I also love uh, Lynn's reaction where uh, at first they said, oh, yeah, your sister's dead. And it's like, the boyfriend, he definitely did it. Go after the boyfriend. Bill's like, so about that, the boyfriend's also dead. So I don't think he did it. And it's like, oh, then go after the the guy who always borrows sugar from him. It was definitely him. (laughs) (laughs) He reported the crime. (laughs) Uh, But like, this is where Lynn's like, oh, my key card. Now, this... (sighs) If Lynn makes one mistake in the season, it's not reporting his key card missing. I don't know what would be the problem with it. It could literally just be like, maybe it looks him look foolish. Sorry, I lost my key card. Um, he's protecting his sister, right? Like he doesn't want to report a crime because I mean, but he doesn't even have. He could just say, you know what, I, uh, I, I, I went outside to. Uh, look at look, look at the, the fluffy clouds. Uh, have you ever? <laughs> is there anything it's fluffier a than a cloud? <laughs> but uh, he's like, oh, I just you know, oh, I I left something in my I left my cell phone in my car, Good and then point. I must have dropped the key card right into the so sewer. Can Could have said anything. If you if yeah, exactly, you, if you right now lost your credit card, you ring out the bank, they'd cancel it. Well, and, 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 and that's the thing is that there's two issues I have with the whole key card storyline, and you know, maybe it's because I work for a security company. One of the things we do is we'll actually install these swipe cards and card access systems and everything. And even the one that we have at our office, like if I, one time I misplaced my swipe card mm. and I'm like, Oh, I thought it would be a bigger deal. They're like, Oh, it happens all the time. Oh, we, they press a button canceled. And then here's your new one. Well, that, every time you go to a hotel and you get given like, you get yeah. given like two room keys. If you lose one, you literally just go down there within two seconds, they print you a new one. Or if it doesn't work, or like this, yeah. this swipe card's really finicky. I'll give you a new one, whatever. Like it's the easiest thing in the world. And and these terrorists, especially kind of dumb. Lynn, you think about it. Sorry to interrupt again, but like it's just literally 
all this would take is Lynn to go, I lost my key card, cancel that one, do a new one. So like, I want this fucking it- terrorist guy to rock up. Hey, 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 here to not do any <laughs> terrorist activities. Beep, beep, beep. Sorry, your car's not activated. Oh, it definitely is. Beep, oh, beep, beep. check again. No, it's got it's my face not. on it and everything. Look like Definitely that's, my face. That's my face right there. No, sir, sorry, it's not valid. Oh, God damn it. Wait, I know that body anywhere. That's Lynn McGill's body. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, like that's a problem because it's like... He it's, looks like clowns. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> There's a guy who stares at the fluffy clouds on his brain. That's a cloud-looking <laughs> body. Mm-mm-mm. But uh, I mean, the other problem with the the whole key card thing, obviously, is that well, first of all, Lynn could have just done this on whoever who's in charge of key cards. Uh, Carrie, you do key cards. Don't tell key anybody, but I command. lost it. If you if you don't want to get fired, make me a new card. Uh, but uh, this guy is he hacking into CTU's mainframe here? Is he opened a socket to actually put that because? The facial recognition would be on the CTU side. This card is literally just a swipe. I mean, you can't program the card to be like, this is the face that is programmed in your card. Why is Lynn looking just... at the air conditioning? He's in holding. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, it's, And why do these security guards only look at the face? Like, these are the guys who, uh, an hour ago, I want to see the manifest and everything. And, and now all of a sudden, they're like, okay, Mr. McGill, I like the makeover. <laughs> <laughs> They see the name. This is the guy running everybody there knows Lynn McGill, especially since they're on edge. He's like a major taller than freaking Sean Astin. Oh, your Russian accent's coming along, Mr. McGill. (laughs) Hello, my name is Lynn McGill. I am from Santa Monica, California. Go Dodgers. (laughs) <laughs> like they're, they're, they're doing nothing here these security guys they're watching the game right now not even paying this attention is die another day levels of bullshit right now <laughs> uh now let me get to my issue now with the uh the the kim scene with oh. chloe i mean first of all what i like about it is it's the first time in the series we're really allowed to have chloe uh explain her point of view about not saying you know anything about Jack being alive, and also just presenting. It was because Kim's almost maybe more upset because she thinks he trusted Chloe more than her. Mm. But it's like, no, it's not that. I just he needed somebody to fake his death, and I was there. If you were there, maybe you would have known. Uh, but I mean, Chloe's attitude. We're getting Chloe here. This is Chloe. B. She just found out. No sympathy that you just found out your dad's alive. Everybody else is like on pins and needles. It's like, oh, be really careful. You know, uh, Kim. She just found out her dad's alive, and. Oh, and Barry's not too happy about it either. She's like, deal with it, Kim. But like, my problem with it. But my problem with this is that like Chloe basically does an exposition dump here that is not necessary for the audience to explain all the things that happened this episode, which is yet another thing that Chloe should be fired for. Because Kim does not have clearance to know about Palmer. At this point, Palmer's death is unrelated to anything else. Like, well, you know, because the terrorists kid killed Palmer and they killed Michelle. And then you have Kim saying, Michelle's dead too? Yeah. Like, that should be close. I've said too much. Gotta go. Bye. Like, she exposition dumps it away that, like, has given her more justification to fire this woman. <laughs> and, and you know very well that, like, Barry's getting like, what were you talking to over there? Let, let's just sit down on the couch and lay down and let's talk about your problems. Oh, and then Michelle died, too. Oh, and it's all connected to a terrorist attack. Huh? Barry's calling up Fox News. Like, there's Maybe a lot of Barry things. Barry's a terrorist do. next season. That'd be a cool yeah. plot twist. <laughs> But like it's just it's just the stupidity of why you need it. You could have done the scene without that exposition dump that mm. just makes Chloe, you know, basically the world's worst employee. 
Um, I get it, but I still yeah, like the theme. But you make a good point. I mean, it's 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 on the long list of great character scenes in this episode, which yeah. this may be the best episode in the show's history for just character uh, development. This is the lowest one I have here. Um, and, and I, the only other thing I guess I'll add was that when Edgar basically finds out where uh, Carrie is, he he basically says, "Oh yeah, uh, she. We got a warning signal on a B socket." So now we know the sockets are a physical thing as well as I need to open a socket to do on a computer. Oh, that B socket down there gave us a warning signal. We can actually visualize the sockets now. This is them telling the audience, you guys wanted sockets. We're going to show you sockets. But yeah, the way that Carrie goes to check out the warning signal on the socket, it, it is like a horror movie. In this entire episode, there's just been that slow build that John Cassar has where it's like something bad's going to happen and, uh, it, it just, it, it reminds me of something out of like, you know, a Friday the 13th or a Scream movie or Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, the, the way that it's done and then the way that she's shot and all that. You also have to wonder, like, somebody's going to hear this gunshot even if it's in the basement, right? Like, janitor, yeah. anybody? Well, does he, but he doesn't shoot, doesn't he choke her? Like, slit her, slit I thought, her he, I thought he, he shot her. Oh, he no, can't... no, sorry. He gets, it's, it's yeah, it's the gunshot happens later on. Yeah. Yeah. He gets shot. Um, Yeah, I think it's, um. I've gone completely blank. What I was going to say. Oh, all right, yeah. If we ever got John Cazar back on the show, my number one question, I'd be like, John, what the fuck is a socket? Like, yeah. How did we not ask that to any of our guests? Like, like what is a socket? <laughs> like, was this like a mid 2000s thing of like, oh, you've got to like plug in an Ethernet cord or something like that. Like uh, you've got a spare USB slot. So let's open it up. Like, was this an actual thing that government agencies had to do in the 2000s to open up sockets? I, th- I felt like we Googled this before. I think we but, did. Uh, I'm pretty sure we did um, when we had a whole best of socket moment like from a couple of years a ago. A network soft. It's a software structure within a network node of the computer network that serves of an endpoint for sending and receiving data across the network. So it's a cloud. So how is it? It's a cloud. It's a fluffy cloud. Yeah. But but now this actually has become a problem because that almost makes sense when they say we need to. It doesn't make sense the amount of times they need to open a socket. But how is she checking out a socket when it is a software software does not exist in the physical realm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, it sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At this point, that's all they care about. Just say something that sounds cool. Uh, so basically, we've got a seven-minute period here where a lot of stuff happens, but this goes in like two minutes. This goes so quickly because you just like... I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this, but like every time I watch this, I'm glued. I'm watching this in the background right now and I just want to shut up and watch it. It's just so goddamn good. So we've got the... Eh, 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 lockdown, lockdown, lockdown sounds... Um, and you've got terrorist man just, I love how the, the split screen is him just sitting in a corner, staring at a timer. <laughs> Get the fuck out of there, mate. Or go. Yeah, you're going to die. Or like, like go to it and just like make it go faster. Like <laughs> that, that's not the point where you're like, oh, they might find me, but I've got six minutes to go. Like you calling up. Julian- I really wanted to grab a croissant from the cafeteria <laughs> first <laughs> i just want to see him like sitting in the cafeteria reading the la times <laughs> eating a taquito mm, looking at his watch <laughs> Ugh, six minutes to go mm, the lakers won um <laughs> like, i mean that's kind of what i want him to do everyone's rushing around so they're they're finding the russian they're rushing trying to find the russian ha <laughs> Um, and there he is, there he is, that man doesn't work here. Facial recognition, oh, it's Sven, there he is. Um, and then meanwhile, uh, you talk about the red shirts. Have we even mentioned the security guards of this season are wearing red shirts? So (laughs) 
Poor old red shirt security guard. He gets kidnapped. I fucking love this guy. Might be my favorite actor of the entire episode. He's like, terrorist guy's got him. It's like, oh, shit. Uh, you should enter the key bad. He's like, but it's locked down. <laughs> there could be a bad guy in there. He's got a gun on you, mate. <laughs> I just love this guy's reaction. But it's locked down, sir. I can't possibly open the door. I might get fired. Uh, to which he brings- this is the, like, oh, this is the only job of security is make sure stuff doesn't happen. You get a terrorist breaking in there and he's like, okay. And he's putting his thumb on. He's like, oh no, it won't work because of lockdown. <laughs> so I love the way that this terrorist guy basically, like instead of just shooting him, he pushes him against the wall and shoots him. Like, oh, can you look up who this security guard is? I feel sorry for him. He had a oh, line. Fine, he got a sag, <laughs> got a sag residual check after this, didn't he? Um, poor guy. But it's locked down. <laughs> <laughs> He's my favorite character of this episode. He's here. Who is he? Uh, his his name is Security Guard. Oh, yes. <laughs> Actually, he's CTU Guard 4. Oh. Um, and? Uh, let's see. He also <laughs> voted, uh, on his way out, he, he clotheslined this guard who was running down the corridor. Officer forced the guard to open a keypad locked door, despite the guard's protest that they were locked down. <laughs> After the guard opened the door, Officer shot and took his radio before attempting to escape the building. The security guard was played by Justin Sunquist. Oh, uh, the. He's a. He's a stunt man. Like a lot of these bit parts, he was just a stunt man. But this was, I guess, his one speaking role. Oh, I, I was going to He's like... worked on Men of Honor, Pearl Harbor, Training Day, Ocean's Eleven, Minority Report, Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious 7, and Captain America, the Winter Soldier. This guy worked with Tom Cruise. He knows Tom Get Cruise. Get him on the show. He does. He does. I just want to say, uh, in, the, in the last like 24 hours, I've seen two people who I've uh, met and interviewed who have uh, touched Tom Cruise. So you're welcome. Um, that's, that's... I, I got more. This guy made the news. This Justin Sunquist, the the uh, it's lockdown guy. <laughs> uh, he was the head stunt double for um uh, what's this guy's name? Alex uh, something. Alex O'Loughlin on Hawaii Five O, and uh, he was in an accident involving a speeding car while doing a stunt. He then sued CBS, and CBS replaced him as the stunt double on the show. Wow. Uh, I want to find out if he won his lawsuit. Yeah. It was... <laughs> Keep me suspenses here. Oh, uh, but you know what? Then he moved over to MacGyver, uh, where he was a stunt performer, and had another accident on MacGyver. <laughs> uh, he suffered a serious head injury while filming on MacGyver. <laughs> he was put into a medically induced coma. Jesus. Uh, and after 10 days was brought out of the coma. Wow, this guy's lived. And every time he wakes up, but it's locked down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we do get another red shirt security guard next week who actually has a bit of a significant scene with uh with old Lynn. So uh, I guess they kind of uh, care for the red shirts because it's lockdown. Um, <laughs> so anyway, rest in peace to that's me. Mike, Mike's <laughs> that's out. A rest in peace. Mike's out for security guard. <laughs> Raise your glass. Tap your glass, everyone. <laughs> um, so I love this bit where Jack sort of he's, he's coming down the stairs and he's finding him. And so he realizes that poor old, uh, you know, CTU guard four's got his. Um, not only did he die, it was locked down. He got his bloody radio stolen. He bought that radio from Radio Shack. It meant a lot to him. Um, so Jack's all like, "Oh God, he's got his uh, radio stolen." So he's all like, "Uh, yep, he's definitely gone up the stairs." And Bill's like, "Fuck off, Jack. We just checked the stairs." And Jack's like, "Look at the camera going like, Bill, shut up. He's got a radio. Oh." 
I saw him go in the stairs too, Jack. Wink. We better send all our men to the stairs. <laughs> Wink. And to which the, the, I love they cut to like the terrorist and he's like, oh, well, I got away with it. I'm terrorist. Oh. And we have an identification of who the man is, and it is definitely Lynn McGill, according to our swipe card access. <laughs> they just swarmed the um the room and just shot Lynn. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Why did you shoot him? He's the guy's a terrorist. No, you swipe, idiot. Swipe card said so. <laughs> um, if it was black. Um, but <laughs> it was good. Oh, can I say that? I just no. did. Um. <laughs> It's in reference to the mistreatment of African Americans. That's my my what I'm trying to say. That's wrong. <laughs> they shouldn't be treated that way. So that's what I'm trying to say. I'm pointing out. Moving on. I'm making Moving a on. statement. That's what it is. It's been pro Black Lives Matter, everyone. Um <laughs> so Jack uh gets the terrorist. And it was similar last week to like Curtis, where basically Curtis was like, Don't stop or I'll shoot, and he just shoots him anyway. Jack's all like, Don't move, bang, bang. By the way, Bill, I only had one shot. Like, no, you didn't. Like, shoot him in the knee. Like, I mean, you shot What's-Her-Face in the knee last week. You didn't have to kill him. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, Egg is going like, duh, where's Kelly? And Chloe's like, I don't know, Egg. We've got shit to do here. Fuck Carrie. <laughs> Every man for themselves. Duh. <laughs> Which, again, like, I don't want to disparage this epic scene, but there is a, a bit of a problem I have for favoritism over the fat man here in a minute. Um, I was fat once. I'm allowed to call people fat, all right? I'm allowed to. Um, so they discover that the Centox is going through the system. So everyone's like, ah, ah, ah. Meanwhile, uh, Edgar's all of a sudden found Carrie's body and he's all like, ah, this Carrie, she's dead. I better get out of here. <laughs> Don't be mean to Edgar. He's about to die. Um, so everyone's like, fuck, shit, what do we do? What do we do? Oh, we've got rooms that can lock down. I love Chloe getting stroppy in this situation. Like, Chloe, Chloe, where do we go? Just, I'm working here. Um, So they find out that they've got, I think, three rooms that they can seal. Convenient that they built that in the rebuild. Um, Luckily, they didn't have that for the bomb that went off for three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Paula's guts wouldn't be on the wall. (laughs) But yeah, they had a bomb shelter three seasons ago. So they That's what's clogging the bee socket. It's Paula Spleen from three years ago. So, okay, I'm going to try to be serious here because this is not funny. So they seal themselves in the rooms and they're like, oh, I think, fuck, we're not dying. <laughs> then poor old Janet from accounts, help me, help me, help me. I'm going to die. And Jack's all like, you, go outside. Leave us alone. Find another room. I'm like, oh, thank God we got rid of her. Like, they're all like, he's just like, no, we can't open the doors. It's sealed. Like, you're going to have to find somewhere else or leave. All right. So no one in this room is all like, no, not Janet from accounts. But meanwhile, good old Edgar, duh, where do I go? Um, I just need to get the jokes out of the way before we talk about the serious end. Why do they not give a shit about this woman and the 30 other people that are going like, <laughs> like it's all Edgar rocks up, going to get a donut. <laughs> mm, what's happening here? <laughs> like, so that's my joke out of the way. Seriously, though, this scene, like I remember watching this live and, I think this is why, and I will eulogize him in a moment, but like, I think this comes down to why Edgar is much more of a revered character because like, realistically, Edgar's really not the greatest character. I mean, you know, he's, he's there. He's a fun character, but he's not great. Yeah. He's more of like a, 
you feel for him type character. Like he's a, mm-hmm. he's a bigger sort of loner guy. He's got a bit of a crush on Chloe. His mum died. Like, you, you know, like if I get that terrace in a room for five minutes, that story wine went away. <laughs> but like you just kind of feel for him in a way that maybe this is what they were trying to do with Adam, like back in season three mm-hmm. or something like that. But I think it's also just a case because, you know, of, of what he looks like. He's like a big teddy bear. Like, you know, you kind of feel for him. And then just this scene and the manner in which he dies. Like I was reading in the book basically about them with this scene and, um, you know, kind of like the, the plan with all this sort of stuff. And 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 um, why am I going blank on his name? Louis Lombardi. Thank you, Ben. Uh, you know, him reading this script and, you know, shocked the way that it was in. He was like, I was crying the way it was read. It's just, it's just emotional because you think everyone's safe and you kind of forget that Edgar isn't. And then you kind of see it and it's just that gravity of that situation where, like, you can't save this guy. You cannot do anything. Mm-hmm. And then to add to that, Marilyn Radzkiewicz's facial expression. She says in the interview in this book that she was meant to get private acting lessons to help with this scene. She ran wow. out of time. She didn't get a chance to do it. So she did this scene alone. She says that it didn't help. She said what helped at the time was that, A, I was sad that Edgar was dying and, B, I literally had a fight with a friend who to this day I still do not talk to, so I was using that as inspiration as well of being upset. I love the fact that she just sort of adds that in there. And then just, she said, everybody left the set that day sad. We were very sad that day. We could not handle it. Um, It's just, I mean, this might be the number one moment of the season. It's just, it's heartbreaking. And for a character that, let's be fair, we don't really care about. It's kind of like Chappelle two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. like, and, and Mason in season two. Like, this is maybe the most, the last heart-wrenching death we get on this show. Like, it's, it's uh, season nine. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I don't know. Like, they, they fluff what they do with a character next season when they kill them off. And I'll have a lot of complaints of what they do with that character death, which should have been better. Cause I would argue that character is more significant and you get more emotionally connected to than you do with Edgar. But this is where in retrospect, we get connected to Edgar because of this death scene. It's so good. Even Kiefer's like looking his face, Audrey's looking her face, everyone's face. It's just, I mean, fucking hell rest in peace, Edgar. Mm. I don't want to joke about him anymore. Like just it's, it's, it's tragic. And it's the silent clock. It's the first time we've had a silent clock since season two. Um, season three, sorry. So, yeah, amazing. Uh, I mean, I don't actually have that much to add. I mean, it's 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 so well done. I mean, how many times can we just say how, how incredibly this episode is directed, written, acted, everything? Uh, I think that uh, uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get my, my story out of the way here before. So we were talking about the, the lovable fat guy and it reminded me of something that happened the, uh, a couple of days ago, Canada Day. Uh, Canada Day, we're taking the kids around. We got like a splash. You know what a splash pad is? Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like basically like an enclosure that has a lot of different things that like shoot water out. I mean, it's not like a pool. It's oh, like, yeah, yeah, oh, you yeah, got this okay. this tower in the shape of a bear and the bear is spitting water and then you got fountains and everything for kids to play in. So for whatever reason, Casper calls it a pool parade. Uh, I don't know why. I'm going to write that down he- to trap kids in. Splash. <laughs> in the splash pad. Sorry. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> There's a, an area, like kind of a hill a hill overlooking the splash pad by our house. And there was just a bunch of people sitting there in the shade, you know, out on Canada Day. And Casper kept trying to venture in there and I'd be pulling him back. No, Casper, like you're going to escape. We know you'll escape. Uh, go back to the pool parade, as you call it. And then he's staring at somebody and he starts pointing, Daddy. And he's pointing at this guy who's you know, sitting in the grass, 
probably about three, at least 300 pounds, maybe even you know, close to the 400 pound mark. And daddy, and he's pointing. I'm like, Casper, let's go. And I don't realize why he pointed. He is large tummy. Like he said, <laughs> he is large tummy. And I'm like, okay, Casper, let's go. And I'm pulling him back. And he keeps turning around pointing. Daddy, daddy, large tummy. I'm like, yes. And then I'm all the way back to the splash pad. And then he's still turning around. Daddy, it's large. And I'm like, yes. Okay, Casper, let's play. Not medium, large. <laughs> yes. Wow. I'm glad I didn't stay at your house for that long. <laughs> you were very self-conscious about my appearance back when I last stayed with you. <laughs> wow. Uh, it was just, that was our Casper moment of the day. Uh, anyways, yeah, so this scene, uh, poor old, he's not medium-large, Edgar. Uh, <laughs> it's it's All the things that fake you out is what I was really trying to pick apart in this episode. Like the Carrie thing was one, oh, if somebody's going to die, now it's been Carrie, it's not going to be her. Uh, also the fact that they make you forget about Edgar, Edgar, you, you get this hint of when he's like, Oh, but but Carrie's down there, uh, where you're like, Oh, he's going to go down. And then if you are even thinking Edgar's going to die, you expect it to be like Gael's death where you're going to get that big moment where he's standing there and the canister blows up in his face or something. Right. You're not expecting him to come in. Yeah. He sits on it. Oops. (laughs) Oops. If I didn't have such large tummy, that wouldn't have exploded. (laughs) When he goes up his butt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <It's> like, <"Ooh." laughs> um but like time's up forever they, <laughs> uh, but they make you forget about him and if you are expecting catch you're expecting something more epic and it's the fact that this death scene isn't epic that is so good about it because you're preconditioned to think certain things from 24 and if you are going to get somebody dying you expect to be a bigger deal it's the fact that this is almost passed off like just he's there people look sad and he says one word he just says chloe with Mm. a tear in his eye and then that's it like it's it's how little they do this is like a a horror movie it's not about what you see it's about what you don't see that makes his death so powerful and this is one of those moments that like nobody who's watched 24 will ever forget the edgar death and it's done so differently from what we've gotten. Like even with Michelle and, and Palmer earlier on, that was like for shock value. And when you take things like Gael or Chappelle and uh, uh, anybody else, it's it's always like this big buildup in this dramatic moment. The fact that Edgar doesn't get a dramatic moment, when, when you mentioned last week, like nobody watching the show expected to feel as bad when Edgar died. And it's not that you dislike Edgar, you like Edgar. Edgar's probably the first, you know, popular character they had because he is just kind of lovable and fun, but like no depth to the character. You feel for this death almost in a way because you almost feel insulted that he's not getting this big dramatic moment. You're like, oh, but it's Edgar, you know? Uh, and then seeing him having like one tear going down his cheek yeah. when he just says Chloe before he drops dead, it's just incredible. Um, I mean, th- th- this is, yeah, it, it's guaranteed to make our top five. I, there's maybe one moment that might contest with this for uh number one of the year i guess maybe two more moments that are still to come but like wow this this moment could make this episode everything else prior to this is still incredible but like this moment itself could be in the worst episode of the season and we'd probably still be buying this it's you're right and i think the fan there was a i wouldn't say fan backlash but the the fan were the fans were upset a bit angry it says in the book about it but i think a lot of that would come down to edgar's a relatable character and i'm not trying to say that the fans of 24 are all fat balding men um but like i mean I, I look at myself when i'm that age like you know i i'm not jack Bauer. i'm not you know going around <laughs> killing people and tough and manly like you know i'm i'm sitting on the computer i'm, I'm doing it right now 
you know, it's kind of you, you, you connect to someone a bit. This is why I think Chloe is so popular as well, because I think that doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, you, you connect with someone who's a bit geeky, a bit like, you know, that's why I think in that period of the 2000s, we always had the one geek character in these sort of cop shows, mm. right? And that's why well, they got really popular. No, that's 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 why I'm actually kind of wondering whether that's another thing that I hadn't even thought about that you're preconditioned to think that these types of characters are immune. Mm. And we've had a few, like, especially these ones that are paired up. Like we know that like, okay, uh, Chloe and Adam and um, Chloe and Edgar, right. Or even uh, Milo and Jamie. I mean, yeah. Something happened to Jamie, but like, this is one of those things with 24 where you're like, you're always going to have the guy and the girl who kind of bicker like their brother and sister. And this is one of those first shows to do that sort of geeky, you know, behind the scenes character. And you don't ever expect those characters to die because it hasn't really happened for in 24 or in any show. Yeah, these are sort of like, it's, it's like puppy immunity or child immunity, you know, right? And one of the, the one to this day that will stand out to me is one of the, the hardest I've ever taken a character dying in a TV show. And it's still, I probably haven't watched this episode more than a decade, but I've talked about it before. I think it was season five of ER, the, the one where Carter and Lucy get stabbed. And then you have the, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't seen ER, uh, but then I think it's like the next episode, it's kind of all fighting to save Carter and Lucy. Now, Carter was always my favorite character. And then I had the biggest crush. I think her name was Kelly Martin from memory, the actress who played Lucy. I, looked, I was in love with her as a kid. And she dies. And I, I, I taped that episode and I would watch that episode like daily. And like, I was like, I don't know, eight or something like that. And just cry and be so emotionally invested in the fact that they killed it. And like, she was like the puppy. She was the med student. She was kind of like the... Because if everyone remembers they are, it starts off with Carter. He's the med student. Yeah. You know, he's the one who's learning the ropes from... He's kind of the lead. Eric Lassalle, all that sort of stuff, everything. So by the time Lucy comes around, that's the real first time that we've kind of got this kid who we've grown up through the eyes of. He's got a training person now. So that's mm-hmm. where I think we all feel a bit protective of, of the character of Lucy because we feel protective of Carter. So when she dies, you kind of almost think Carter's going to die. But then it's sort of like, it's just, it's like, yeah. And it sets up a and, chain of a thing. And like that, that death still today resonates me with me. Cause like it just, and it's, it's, it's that connection you're talking about. Cause it's almost like you feel those ones, those, those ones, those characters are, are, are almost protected. Whereas when, you know, um, what's his face? Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards. Dies character. Yeah. Um, you kind of almost in a way expect it. Cause by that point, everybody was fucking leaving. Yeah. Thanks yeah. George. <laughs> Off to bigger and better things, Anthony Edwards. <laughs> Top Gun 2 is calling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you got no, no, was a number right, one like, draft pick for the NBA the other year, so he did all right for himself. No, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it's it's sometimes those small characters, if it's done right, that will have the biggest impact. And that's something they hit here with Edgar that I don't, I don't even think the show was expecting this to be done as well. Because you do get those small time character deaths where you want it to be bigger. It's like a Boba Fett death. Like, well, really is that it for Boba Fett? Uh, but then you get something like this where they probably didn't even anticipate how well this would have played out from what they saw when they read the script to what they got as the finished product. And then it aired. And then you get the fan reaction. Like this is above Chappelle. They knew what they were doing. That was very strategic. We are going to do something that hasn't really been done in television before. I think with Edgar, they're like, wow, that turned out way better than we thought. Let's get ready for some of the backlash now. And a week later, we're going to kill off another major character. But I'll just let's try that again. We're going to kill off another <laughs> major character. People can't see what I'm doing, but it's called air quotes. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, like it's as much as I love next week, and we'll talk about this in a moment, there's still a massive issue with it. But yeah, I think it's, uh, and 
we we like to eulogize our main characters. I mean, obviously, we we had two earlier this season, and before that, we hadn't really what killed a major character off since since Chappelle. And I guess really nothing really a whole lot. I mean, he was there. He had moments. He, he, he's lovable and kind of the great Edgar moments. It's going to be a little short list. Uh, and Lewis Lombardi does fantastically. I feel, I honestly feel yeah. bad that we're spending the majority of this season going like, oh, Edgar. Um, but like, he just kind of does come across it. Like he would play a very good, like, oh, boss, what are we going to do this week with boss? Like sort of the dumb henchman from like a 60s cartoon. But um mm-hmm. I like Lewis and Buddy. We discovered he was in Spider-Man he's, 2. Uh, he's in The Animal yeah. with Colleen Haskell. Uh, so, you know. Like, like I, I feel like, because in a way, I almost feel bad we make fun of him too. But, like, I think that us making fun of him was sort of the point of the character. You know, yeah. he's a fun character that you're meant to kind of, like, laugh at. And Chloe's very similar. Chloe, they just took about two seasons to get to the point uh, of that with the audience. But, uh everything that he does he does right uh and it is so his character's death so much of the impact is that you do almost see him die and you're like oh oh i kind of wish that i hadn't just laughed at him as much as you are your character like you see it from chloe's point of view you're like oh i didn't realize that i'd miss edgar this much and i feel he's the last of his breed in terms of the 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 geeky analysis kind of the snarky ones that kind of a chloe clones like they're all kind of just different from this point on. They're all good looking and they're all kind of, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you, you don't get this. I'm not saying that Lewis and Barty's not good looking. It's more Beautiful, of a, man. It's more of a case of like, this guy looks like he'd be a computer analyst. Whereas Jeannie Garofalo or whatever her name is, like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I'd, I'd probably rather take uh, Lewis and Barty on a day. I, I don't dislike Jeannie. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong. Um, great woman. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Lewis could have more stories. Whereas... Uh, yeah, fun trivia thing that I just read here, read here, and I feel I knew this, but I, I blocked it out. The original script for this episode was actually Kim coming back with Chase, but James Badge Dale oh. was un- unavailable, so they had to create a new character and had it uh, called Barry. So uh, I feel I did know that. Maybe back like in the TV week days or something like that, that was um, that was noted. Oh. I don't know. Uh, well, 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 I was. When was this episode aired again? What was the air uh, date? Connie Britton's birthday. Oh, that's right. March the sixth. I should should have known. International holiday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to see what he actually was filming uh, or would have been filming approximately that. Probably time. wasn't filming anything. I'm busy. I don't ever do that show again. <laughs> um, other trivia. Yeah, the fifth time we've had the silent clock. Um, can you name the other four quickly, Colin? Can you name them? From the first three seasons, Chappelle, um, yep. uh, drawing a blank, Mason, uh, yep. which Mason? Uh, oh, yeah, I'll give you Mason. Which Mason? <laughs> it's actually the one where Mason, Mason leaves CTU. Uh, it's not the one where he like uh, goes in the plane. Not the, uh, yeah, not the bomb. Um, uh, ooh, no, this is tough. Two uh, obvious Terry, ones. Uh, Two yeah, Terry is the obvious one. And think Terry. What happens the next season at the same point of the season? Nina, what? Um, Palmer shakes a hand. Palmer's oh, okay, yeah, the, the, yeah, Palmer. Okay, which we actually—I was thinking deaths, but yeah, we don't get another silent clock until uh, the season six finale. So uh, we're a little bit of while till we get one, and then they—oh god, don't get me started on one of the silent clocks in season seven. Fuck, I—I I see what they're doing, I've, but it annoys me. Um, I've, I've narrowed it down what James Badge Dale was too busy to come back for 24 to. And was it I can a actually... badge or a Dale? What was he doing? <laughs> well, one, there was a TV series. Well, this is 2007, so that wouldn't affect him. So here it is. He was filming The Departed, Academy wow. Award Best Picture winning film, The Departed, um, with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, 
uh, Matt Damon, Martin Sheen, all those guys. Yeah, the A Few Good Men of its era. Yeah. Um, so in a 2016 interview with Variety, Evan Katz said that this episode was his favorite from season five. Uh, and Sam Montgomery joined the production staff as a producer in this episode. I've been waiting for this episode. There he is. Oh, uh, and the book, yeah, it sort of it talks about silent clocks and Edgar and Chloe and everything. Uh, definitely binning this episode. It's rubbish. Hate yeah. it. Uh, I don't need to ask you what you're doing with it, but I need to ask you where you're ranking this episode, Colin Hilding. I, I, I kind of knew coming in this would be a top 10 episode. Actually, I do want to give you an update. So uh, I, I'm, I'm pulling a revision here, Ooh. and maybe you're going to get it as high as you want, but uh, uh, the, the season five episode, uh, the premiere that I ranked at ninth place, uh, I'm moving up one spot um, just because I like It'll it at the do. number nine. Actually, it's it's the season six episode that I was battling with before, which was season Jack Storm's six. The Compound. No, like that was the one that was ahead of it before, Jack Storm's The Compound. Six. We haven't gotten to season six yet. Sorry, season, season four, episode six. <laughs> so to say, uh, you, you've been so ranking I'm, without me. <laughs> I'm swapping places because uh, um, I, I feel like as we're going on, like the season one premiere, and I still maintain there are better episodes this season. This won't even be the only season five episode that gets higher than the premiere. But uh, this was going to be a top 10 episode. Um, halfway through the episode, I'm like, this is maybe going to be top five. This is going to end up number two, Ooh. only behind Chappelle's death for me on my overall Ooh. episode. And so you got this I ahead of next... the last episode of season one. Yeah, I've got it ahead of the season one finale because it's just, it, it's it's how little they have to work with and how effective everything is that's so good. Because it's one thing to say we got a great episode out of this incredible script, but I don't feel like this script was necessarily incredible. It's it's how John Kassar and the actors worked with it. And I'm not you know, being down on the script and saying, the entire purpose of this episode is to not to make you think that something big's not going to happen. So it is a very mundane episode and how well they executed that mundane episode without ever losing that tension is just incredible. Uh, and next week is the bigger episode of the two, but I feel like when we get to next, which I'm going to rank that one high too. There is something like you mentioned, the ending things change when you get a couple seasons down the road, the mm. way you're going to view that ending yeah. that changes how that impact is. But, uh, I don't know if next week will be higher than this one. Um, I feel like next week's going to be pretty high for me too, though. Interesting, interesting. Um, so I had, obviously, number one, I've got the last episode of season one. Uh, number two, I put the premiere of this episode. Um, I am going to put this at number two. So I'm putting this above Ooh. the premiere. Uh, I did, if you, had, if you did listen to me, Colin, I think I did say this is the number one episode of the season for me. I remember you saying there was at least one episode that was higher. So it is this one. Uh, I mean, it's just like everything about this. Like, I argue this is better than next week. Um, it's it's just it's just the ending alone elevates it. But I mean, that last seven minutes, I feel we didn't do that justice. Like, I know we've nearly gone for two hours here, but like, it's it just I don't think there's a seven minute stretch of twenty four that can top that. Even Jack doing the compound at the end of season one in the in the finale just there's just so many elements i think to this that work so well but everything in the lead up to it just i don't know just it's it's the near perfect episode um but i'm going to say this and i want you to try and remember this and i want our listeners to remember this as well obviously i've got my final 216 episode rankings here so i'll spoil i'll actually not going to spoil it this episode will end up overall so i've got this at number two right now after 216 episodes, this will end up at number three. Oh. So there is one more episode in the next 100-odd episodes that will make my top three. Now, 
that's a big spoiler. So you know where I'm going to go with all these episodes. But I can guarantee you one thing, Colin Hilding, and one thing, listener, none of you will guess what episode that will be. Because even I surprised myself when I watched that episode and I'm like, okay, I fucking love this episode. I'm, I'm putting this at number. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I I narrowed it down to um, a section of a season. Give me a, uh, a give block me a guess. of episodes. Well, my guess would have been one of the first four episodes of next season. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to be right on that. Uh, I'm just not going to. I'm just not going to give it away. Um, don't don't even give it away. <laughs> but uh, see if you remember that. But uh, yeah, great. This is an amazing episode. So uh, obviously it's going to end up as my number three in my overall list. So there you go. Next, it's week- our overall number one right now, isn't it? It will be. I'm not keeping your averages. I can send you my list if you want to. If, if you want to put an but average together, just that might the be fact fun. that we both have a different number one, and this would be. True. I mean, it could technically be. Well, uh, well your, what's your number? Uh, my number one is Chappelle's death. That's my number four. Yeah. Uh, okay. So then this would. Well, but then the premiere I have at three, and you have at one right now. Yes. Yeah, so my. So this is tied. My top five is uh, twenty episode twenty four of season one, episode twelve of season five, episode one of season five. So 18 of season three, then episode 23 of season one. That's my top five. Yeah, I've got uh, Chappelle's Death, 18 of season three, number one. This episode, number two, the finale of season one, the 23rd episode of season one, and then the finale of season three. So just as an added spoiler, that one episode that will make my top three is the only other episode that will make my top five as well. So my top five is locked right now with the exception of mm. one more episode that will go in of my overall episodes. So that, I think that speaks more for the quality of the, the you know, the, the later episodes of 24. Redemption than... episode eight. I don't, That's the one I'm well, picking this is one, one thing I'll say, I didn't actually rank Redemption amongst these 216, but I'd say Redemption would rank quite highly. Spoiler alert. It's, it's, it's enjoyable. Uh, next week. Oh, sorry. I'm not Redem- I, was, I was thinking Legacy. Legacy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. Um, if there was it, no, anyway. Um, next week, yeah, look, it's it's still an amazing episode. It's going to rank very highly. But yeah, the ending is something that I feel almost we will have to spoil. Well, we, of course we will have to spoil because I don't think there's been a bigger fan backlash of an episode than there was to next week. I, I We got John Cazar on the show again. It would be a case of name one episode that the fans hated the most or that hated one moment of it, even more than the Cougar. I, I can tell you right now, there was an element, particularly the next week, that I have I remember seeing the fan hatred. I was one of them. I was like, what the fuck? Like, and we will talk about it. Because of a clock. It's because of a clock. And it's like, if you're giving Edgar a clock, mm-hmm. there's like a list of like three, a handful of people that would get an automatic clock. I'm still a bit yeah. dirty that Palmer didn't get a clock, but I mean, I guess for elements sake, it's not why it happened. There's one person in that handful of five that next week, yeah, anyway, we'll get to it. But other than that, like, I mean, there is a, another major character death next week. Well, sort of major character. He's been a major character for about five episodes. Um, and other, some other great stuff too. And our last taste of Kim for another two seasons. That sounds a bit wrong, but sounds a bit right at the same time. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, do all the things you do with everything on that. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire this Thursday. Uh, very oh. excited for that one. Our Nip Tuck 20th anniversary uh, special and reunion We'll have some more details about that hopefully in the next week or so, what exactly we're going to be releasing. Nick will be back in some capacity as well to talk about Nip Tuck because it's the 20th anniversary of the first episode of Nip Tuck uh, in about a week and a half time. And uh, Mission Impossible comes out this week, so I'm sure we will be doing something about that. Colin just got an erection by me saying that. <laughs> uh, I literally can open up my window right now, Colin, and I'm breathing the same oxygen as Tom Cruise because he's in Sydney right now. So uh, just to let you know that. Send some of that air to me. 
some of that gay air. And <laughs> mm, smell the gayness. Tom Cruise is in town. I, I, saw this one. I walked outside this morning and went, I smell gay. Uh, <laughs> Tom Cruise must you be You personally do? <laughs> well, I'm so glad you don't can cut episodes and you can use that as a sound clip. <laughs> I smell gay. Um, I, I've lost the point. Uh, do all the things you're meant to do. Um... <laughs> My name is Ben, and but it's a lockdown. My name is Karen. My name is Karen. Bless you. My name is, my name is Karen, and I don't care what you think. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at the Oz network.net thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.